think you can tell JR that the fans want him back. Last Monday, Austin was in town. He was scheduled to be on Raw, as I said. Any number of us attempted to speak to him on his cell phone. He refused to take our calls until finally, after repeated attempts, Austin took one call. That was from that man right there. Austin's friend, Jim Ross. JR pleaded with Austin, since you're in town, don't walk, simply just come to the arena, sit down and discuss your grievances as a man. Austin didn't do that. JR's plea fell on deaf ears. And quite frankly, Austin's actions, both personally and professionally, are certainly uncharacteristic of the man we all know. Nonetheless, Austin, as an adult, should and will be held accountable. We have to move on as a company without Austin. And move on we will, we have to, we have no alternative. We'll develop new stars, new matches, new concepts, even this Sunday's King of the Ring winner will automatically face the champion at SummerSlam. Austin is gone, but clearly Stone Cold will never, ever be forgotten. I'd like to say, Steve, to you, on behalf of the company that you helped build, on behalf, Steve, of every single fan that you entertained throughout the years all over the world, on behalf of all of us, Steve, I would simply like to say, Thank you. Thank you, Stone Cold. Thank you for the memories. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Two trailer park girls go round the outside, round the outside, round the outside. Two trailer park girls go round the outside, round the outside, round the outside. Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of The Draft Diaries. I'm, of course, Meals, and I am here once again with Justin, OG Johnny Five. What yes, is up, sir. my friend? Yes, sir. Every time we get on this, my room is going to look different because I'm still moving stuff in. So just I, I appreciate that. Never <laughs> being the allegations. Uh, <laughs> also accompanied by, oh my, the one man who I feel like, especially since it was NWO, there's a thread line. There's a thread line. We talked about NWO last time you were on. We talked about Austin the last time you were on. Bringing you back. A plus. What is up, man? Thank you for coming back to the Draft Diaries. Oh, thank you, Mills J5. Thank you once again for having me. I enjoyed uh, hanging out in the A show when you were uh, in the south of France last couple weeks ago, <laughs> Mills. So once again, man, thank you guys for having me. 
Listen, we're here to talk about episode, well, in this episode of the Draft Diaries, I think what we're, the overarching thing for this is going to be, I guess the woes of the draft <laughs> that happened, like, within the first two months, how suddenly maybe one event or two events can kind of, like, um, domino effect until you really have to shift around everything going on in WWE. Um, but first... We, of course, got to slide back to 2002. L- last episode. You know what? I want to get Plus's uh, takes on this. Just just from our last episode. So last episode, Justin and I talked about Jay-Z's 2002. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he found himself on the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts? We, there were several events that happened in 2002 with Jay-Z. I mean, there's the the the, the album with who, who he who shall not be named. Um, that dropped at the early of the year. Then there's South of France, Euro J in the middle of the year. And, and then at the end of the year, he picks up the pieces, kind of a blueprint too. What were your thoughts in Jay-Z for at least 2002 during that time period before, the year before, essentially, it's like, wow. Um, I, I was definitely a, a self-admitted uh, Jigga warrior. So I was definitely <laughs> Rockefeller to the death um, exactly. in the hallway. Yeah. The same here, but you got to realize the, perce- the the perception and the in the in the perspective changed five oh. years after. Oh, you're right. I mean, th- there's a thing here in 2002. I think is is the battle on the radio on High 97. Is that late 01 or early 02 where he walks in as he loses? Early 02. Early 02. So let's start there. Like he that's, he walks in the studio. Um, that's Hobie's home. Hobie's home. <laughs> right. He gets back on vacation. And there's and- the awkward silence. <laughs> And he's just like he would call Ether like vulgar seven times. Yeah. It's just it's just vulgar. It's just why would you listen to that? <laughs> it was the first time seeing Jay-Z in, in superstar mode, at least. Um, having to be somewhat, I guess, resilient, his back against the wall. He had to fight against a challenge against uh, somebody who had, you know, the bona fides before he went into the to the game as a rapper. And um, you know, Nas kind of had a re- rebirth in 02. You know, he came back strong, of course, latter 01 of 01 with Ill, uh, Stillmatic and then Godson in 02. So it was it was interesting seeing Jay Z have to ward that off as well as the the emergence and the arrival of Cam and Rockefeller. So that all comes at the same time. And it's just like seeing him ward off all these like challenges, whether it was the VP of Rockefeller thing with Cameron, he had to like shrug off like, uh, yeah, that ain't happening. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> he shrugged that off. He was very clear. And, oh, we don't got no problems. And then Cam would turn around. I think we said the last episode, Cam said, yeah, I saw Jay-Z and I told Jay-Z, I like your stuff, man. Like, <laughs> Yo, Cam's hilarious. And then, of course, Blueprint 2, the title track alone. I've always contested that if the title track came out instead of Super Ugly, the battle would have been different. But it was almost like a post-mortem of sorts. Like, yeah, now that I got my thoughts together, I'm going to tell you what I really feel. And it's like, oh, God. You know, a I love A year later. Almost a right. year later than, than right. from either. So it's... It- right. So it was seeing like Jay-Z's like overall, like, you know, overall rating decrease like two or three points. You know, right. from that 2K in 01 to 2K2. So one and question the, I want to I want to have is uh, Blueprint Two versus uh, Last Real Nigga Alive. Wow! <laughs> wow! When, when Nas had to go with something for Dolo, oh my god! <laughs> That's oh, you, once again, man. I'm a, I'm a self admitted stand, so I'm probably more partial to Blueprint Two even today. But Last Real Nigga Alive is a classic, man. He I, breaks the whole beef down from start to finish. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing song. And once again, it's my clear, pure bias for Jay-Z that's even like 
stopping me from being, you know, okay, last one niggas a lot better song. That's that's what's stopping me right here. Okay, so I got my mojo back, baby. Oh, behave. <laughs> we waited a year for this. We waited a year for the response. We waited a year for the response. He's talking like Austin Powers in 97. And he, he puts it in a song. Are you serious? I was had to tell Mark this this week in our chat where he's just like, come on, man. That's not the worst. I'm like, yes, it fucking is. And if it's the top five, it's definitely in the top five. Who's in baseline when this song is being recorded? Because I want to see like somebody like looking at him through the, like the the glass in the studio while he's like, "You fell into the booby trap." Like, is he like going crazy? Oh, what are you man. saying? <laughs> no gurus, like. Oh my god! Oh, you, you can see the enabler fashion and the enabler spirit that goes on, especially with a rapper. Man, is an enabler spirit, and Jay Jay Z was definitely enabled this whole oh, sure. situation. But I don't want to get back in that road. I know we, we spent the whole hour on that uh, last Listen, episode. Listen, to be honest with you, at this point, we're going through 2003 at some point later in this series. We're going to have to come back around to host 2003, too. I mean, you know why Jay-Z got the fuck out of there. I mean, he saw 50, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm gone. All right. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. That's exactly yeah, what I was going to ask you. I was like, was it the emergence of 50? Yeah, he was like, okay, there's a hurricane coming. I got to get the fuck out of here. It's, it's a lot of things, honestly. I mean, it's it's that it's him being mad that no one took his side. I mean, I mean, you you see, like Blueprint two sales weren't stellar. You know what I'm saying? They they weren't outstanding. You know, and and, Blue, and black album sales weren't either. But hey, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, compared to Fifty, it was like you know, it was it was successful compared to anybody else, except Fifty dropped the same year and went like seven eight times platinum in one year. So. The Gaga and the, and the craziness. We see what happens when I no longer exist. Fuck this. All right, buddy. All right, guys. Yeah, the dramatic <laughs> dropping of the headphones. All right, come on, man. Come on. You're 36. We'll of, all of, that, of course. You're 36. <laughs> Get over it. We'll save that for later in the series. What I got now is a relic of 2002. East Bay. Mm. Oh, wow. East Bay. The 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 magazine came to your door. You look through it, all different type of fashion stuff. You know, I think that's kind of how I'm trying to think now. Before I guess you know, consuming e-commerce and stuff like that, like this kind of you were either in the stores, you were getting shit from magazines and ordering them. I'm trying to think now, back in the day. Um, but East Bay Magazine. Definitely one of them ones, man, back in the day. Now, if you're in 2022, East Bay site is still open. It's not like it's a complete <laughs> relic. It's, but- owned, it's owned by, like, Foot Action, and, yeah. and which is owned by Foot Locker. So it's right. not even really its own thing anymore. They carry the same inventory, too. So, like, that's the crazy part about it. Jesus Christ. So what I have here, I looked online and somehow ended up at Nike Talk. Somehow, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... What else would you do? <laughs> right. Hey, there's an extensive conversation about East Bay on Nike Talk. There's sure. absolutely extensive conversation. So, so we'll scan their East Bay um, catalog from 2002, and I would love to share it. For those of you who are um, able to watch us by video, this is definitely a treat. For those who aren't, we are here. I'm going to go through a lot of these very, very quickly because we have a very, very long show. But of course, you have the Pele Pele soda jacket. About 50 Watch pounds. out for the guy in the Pele. He's dangerous. <laughs> Look at that guy. Chocolate vintage. <laughs> Instant property. <laughs> he might be he might be real, to be honest with you. Um 
My child is listening to the, the new Street Sweeper mixtape. <laughs> Timberland boots. What we got here? Remember, Jesus. remember, uh, get yourself up. <laughs> you gotta get yo, get yourself up. <laughs> Jumpman. Oh, the Jumpman Team, team oh. Showcase Mid. Very fitting name. <laughs> Perfect name. No, no, no. Oh, now forty nine ninety nine. Sorry, discounted style. I wonder why. No, this discontinued style. <laughs> Yo, I signed up my whole like half of my fourth grade class for East Bay. I still know the phone number. It's scary. <laughs> like eight hundred eight two six twenty two zero five. I believe. Reebok thirteen mid. Just doing anything. They had got to thirteen plus. They had gotten to thirteen Iversons at that point. <sighs> it's only two thousand two. He was in the league for like six years at this yeah. point. What the fuck are they doing at Reebok? They just stick a picture of Allen Iverson in there. This right, it's the do-rag Allen Iverson wears. Buy the Iverson 13 do-rag. One size fits all, even you, Chester. <laughs> Remember these? Liquid bootlegs. Oh, this was when it was afraid of uh, uh, and one. I'm about to say, this is an and one bootleg if I ever saw one. This is complete. Somebody watching like an and one marketing plan. It's like, okay, take that, take that, take that. Plus, do you think they licensed this from Georgetown? Wow, I you know because you're you're including the bulldog use here with the uh, that that's interesting, that's interesting. It's a nice shirt, it's a nice shirt, nice shirt. I mean, you might still you might still have in the thing with the foot out. This, this is a classic photo shoot with him in the couch with his son. Oh wow, yeah, for sure. I was about to say this Iverson Reebok spread here is kind of like a statement. I don't think people remember how big this was, like the full line. Yeah, you can't yeah. really tell you can't really tell somebody in 2022 that Reebok was right neck and neck with nike at one <laughs> right it was because of one man and it was Allen iverson you know like you had people like he he ran the brand there's a reason why he's got a lifetime contract with these with these people yep being paid for life okay let's see what we got here reebok v mid dmx reebok answer for slip-ons lots of reebok in here i mean they had everything oh, oh, the got oh my god the t-mac <laughs> looks like no the T-Mac looked like if you opened up the actual front of the shoe, you see your, your girl wearing a big bunch. <laughs> like it looked like uh what are they? With the with the with the flat, I don't know what the they're not slides. What are the clocks? What are they? Clogs? Yeah, they're a little cloggy. Niels, yeah. before you move, the, the italic up under the name of the shoe is like it's fitting it's inspired by T-Mac's personality and playing <laughs> style. So <laughs> literally, literally, what the fuck? <laughs> You're selling that is that's what's inspired by his playing style and personality. The Kobe style oh. Kobe twos. Sheesh. Wow. Yeah, man. Never owned a pair of these. Never want to. Adidas is sticking up the joint at this time. You got a fridge on your foot, man. Come on now. Because <laughs> anyway, they're comfortable though. <clears throat> I mean, listen. Would you pay $130 for it? That's another thing that's, cu- that's sticking out to me right now, too, is like if he was to bring back the Kobe 2 this year, they'd probably be $40 upsold. They'd probably be $159. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy. Easily. Oh, my gosh. Not the Air Pippin. They had the other shoe inside of it, you see? <laughs> <laughs> and they're throwing in two pip skins for you. In. <laughs> At this point, this man, just get your money, Pippin, bro. He already <laughs> looks pregnant. He saw the doc that... <laughs> You saw everything. Oh. Nike Jordan 16. It is. This was, how, this was how you got them. This was how you got the Jordans back in the day. This I was had a pair. pair. 
Especially if you were in some you were in some bumfuck town that didn't have like a foot locker. They weren't everywhere, folks. They were not everywhere back in the day. This is how you got them. Calling to get some Jordans like mail order to you. Think about that for a second, people. Before there were lines. And lines is the archaic version like from now. Lines is like, oh, we had to wait in lines to get our sneakers. No, you had a call. Right. Or you had to dial up a size 12 if you wanted one. Jeez. Do you remember your, do you remember the first pair of Jordans that you guys had? Oof. I think when I said the 11s, maybe the 11s. Yeah, I think it was I have, 11s. I have a very like complicated history with it cuz like, you know, we could never really afford it when I was younger and I, yeah, I never so, yeah. I never really clamored for them, but I got my first pair of Jordans I got in 2008. It was the Aqua 8s. I think mine really- was in high school it might have been the tens or something along those lines but we couldn't afford them either i i got them from you go downtown brooklyn and you just find any store that essentially <laughs> is selling yeah. sneakers i was um <laughs> i was like nike sb shorty back in the day so i had a bunch of those and then i was like mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna cross over, I'm cross over into jordan so that's oh, I was I was Air Force One, Shawty. I had boy, white on whites than anything. Oh yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> Uptowns same. all day. Yeah. I had a closet full of Air Force Ones. For some reason, yeah. I was like, I could have just really just laid off of the whites for maybe two months and just got a pair of Jordans, but I never did. But I mean, once I got on them, I never stopped. Look at this. My eyes are wide in Edward. We're looking at right now. The Look price point. This. First off, you could just it- get them. <laughs> Oh my God! We're looking at the retro threes, black cement. You've got the the white and blue, like with the hold cement. On, hold on, man. Hold on. Oh my God! A hundred bucks. A <laughs> hundred bucks, bro. Come on, man. Hundred dollars. I, I just paid two hundred ten dollars for two pieces of shit that came <laughs> to my house. Poor cement design. There's no quality. There's no love. There's no anything that's into yeah. this, man. How much? How much? Five? How much? You can just get them. <laughs> you know what I had to go through? You could just get, you could just walk up and get them. You could have them is essentially. Yes. <laughs> yes, you, you, you can have them. You listen. That's crazy. Today just... is like, if you're lucky enough, <laughs> oh. you might get them. Um, oh my God. The mocha's a the funny story about the mocha. So I only have a pair because um jamal so jamal who hosted the big eyes podcast shout out to jamal for rnc um his dad bought him a pair of mochas but he completely like thing the size on it got him the wrong size and everything and i don't he was like yo i got these sides and not really mine i was like oh what size are these 10 and a half i was like i'll take them and he was like all right cool and i got free mocha I, I still to this day and i got so many compliments on that shoe now they make the shoe different it's not even like really the same to be honest with you yeah, that, but, that uh, looks different from the. I can go grab the mochas too, but I ain't even going. I ain't. Even yeah, gonna yeah. Oh, you know, uh, I know. <laughs> oh, I ain't even going to do that to y'all niggas. But no, jump in, oh, team, team elite. They look like some all elite sneakers. They look like <laughs> all elite themed sneaker, bro. These like the team Jordans, it, team Jordans of their day, right here. <laughs> Sheesh. Oh my God, Jenko. Oh wow, man. I had a pair. Listen. You know why I wasn't on I wasn't on Jordans too early because I was wearing Jinko jeans with shell top Air Forces like a member of corn, bro. Hey man, shout out to World Industries. Okay. I was really oh. on that. Feel me? I was on my black boy, white boy before young LA. All right. Shout out to everybody had a tech deck back in the day. Feel me. Listen, like I was listen, CD player slider right in the pocket. 
<laughs> All the room in the world, it just slide right in there. There's no like you gotta wedge it in. Nothing slides right in. Um, platinum oh. fubu leather. Oh boy, for us by a zone. This was hot for like one year. One year they had a platinum fubu. Was, platinum fubu was like the purple label Ralph Lauren <laughs> <laughs> for niggas. <laughs> All right, you go south side, uptown, or dirty south. Hey man, I got I might have to go with a dirty south on Tuesday, yeah. hit the uptown on Saturday. Who knows, man? Good lord. Oh boy, is that fat fat Albert? Bro, fat Albert you know, gang. How racist, how low-key racist it is. We got, them, we got us wearing these niggas, these these big mouth, big lip, mush mouth ass niggas. They had us wearing, bro. What what did that make you look like with fat Albert on your shirt, bro? Hey, hey, hey. What was the marketing behind Fat Albert? This is like a 20-year-old... At this point, it's like a 20-year-old cartoon um, in 2002. So I'm interested in like the marketing for Fat Albert. Or, like, Who's rappers wearing it? But LL Cool J was oh, wearing yeah. it. Yeah, because that's LL Cool J's like childhood probably, you know? Did Bill Cosby get a cut? Are we mm. funding? Funding something? Um, Hold let's on. See. Let, me, let me try and find a... Let me try and find one of the ads, bro. 600 bucks. For this jacket. Listen, man. This looks like Joe Budden a little bit with a braid or something. Jump off. Um, let's see. More fat Albert. Listen. Everything. Oh, Pele Pele Aviator Bomber. Wow. $569.99. You had to sell a lot of dope to get that. <laughs> remember, dope and call it dope won't that much back in the day. Right. Dope wasn't as much as it is now back in the day. Like as seen on the wire. Oh, here we go. Here's the holy grail of jackets. Peter Guns right there. That's right. <laughs> That's Peter Guns. It is him. No, it's him. The Averix New York Classic Varsity Jacket. To this day, I want a varsity jacket and have never got one. Get the money to get a varsity now, bro. Come on. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I'll figure it out. Averix Crusty. Let's see what we got here. Pelly Pelly. Uh graphic sweaters. Adidas Pro Shells. The Dada Diego's. All right, man. We're good. <laughs> We're getting into some scary, scary territory here, bro. Timberland Euro Trucker. Oh, boy. That was what Emil was wearing in one of her videos. I know it. <laughs> Million gone. School of Ooh. Hard Knocks. Sulk. I used to be like, what is Sulk? <laughs> Sulk. <laughs> oh, God. School of Hard Knocks. Carpenter jeans. Carpenter How big they are without even being on your on your body. Why would you wear them? <laughs> Bro, look at your legs. Look at those jeans. Don't buy them, bro. It's a full body suit, man. Listen, thirty-two jeans ain't the same as thirty-two jeans now. Thirty-two jeans then, bro. It's a different story. Um, Clark's. <laughs> Clark's Gotta end with Clark's. <laughs> Clark's the doggy. Um, Jordan downtown, Oof. and of course Jersey. Here we go. This man, or this champion, even. Whoa, first and fabulous. The jerseys going off the watch. <laughs> tell was there, the exact was there a jersey that you guys had? Um, yes, and this is like true to uh my fandom. I had a Paul Pierce jersey in high school, swingman. Yes, yes, I did, and a T Mac, a T Mac swingman. <laughs> and on that note, J Five just left. <laughs> I had Mellow, I had Braun, I had what? Who else did I have? Um, Marbury. There you I go. Had, 
I had Iverson's home and away, the Sixers. Of course. Good. He was my favorite basketball player. And I had I had the Toon Squad and the Monstars jerseys back in the day, man. The original mm. joints, the Nike joints. I had those. Or the shit you could get on anywhere at some point. And just yeah. SC. Space Jam was, and I think people really underestimate how big of a thing it was. Oh, that huge. whole year was a thing. I had the full Bugs Bunny fit, my nigga. Like the shorts and the shirt. It was crazy. I used to wear out the soundtrack. Bugging? Come on, man. You're bugging. Thanks, Jay. Right. Uh, thanks jay bugs the bomb I think, right. that's it. I think that's it this catalog listen man takes us back to an era a very yeah. heavy era a very large era think about you can get right within 100 pages for the entire school year absolutely within 100 pages east bay back in the day um let's get into this episode because we got a lot to catch up on we got a lot to talk about we got a lot of important events that happened in the span so last episode we covered the wwe draft inaugural episode um we were fast forwarding now from that i think it was late march to now middle of july so the draft has been going on for pretty much the last three four months at this point there's so many things that have gone on in the span from that March to July thing. I'm going to go through. So what I call this this part, because we're going to be skipping things throughout the episodes. It's called the catch up. <laughs> and there are two major events that we're going to talk about long form as we reach to the end of it. But I just want to from everything that happened. Listen, WWF in March is not the same as WWE in July. <laughs> 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 Essentially. So would you compare the chaos to like i mean you can't even really say this it's that similar but like was it was the chaos of that year similar to the chaos of this year i I feel like this year is unprecedented in terms of just the amount of shit that happened from may to today when we're recording this but like it's pretty crazy i think when you have you definitely it's definitely similar, especially when you have one of the top stars of your company walk out and kind of like figuring out how to do that, having to restructure pretty much your entire things moving forward without them. And then also trying to live in a landscape now where you don't have competition. You're still, you're trying to create competition within your own company to sort of boost ratings, but ultimately ratings, people aren't viewing television as much as they did before anyway, and ratings are sliding no matter what. Um, but this 2002, man, it's it, there's so many things that happen, especially just, like I said, between March and, and July. First thing I'm going to say is the WWE Championship plays hot potato. Um, where we ended off, Justin, Triple H was the WWE Championship. He had just beat Stephanie and Chris Jericho in a triple threat match. Tonal, tonal whiplash when you turn on that Raw episode. Because I said, wait, <laughs> what just happened? Less than a month later, Hulk Hogan defeats Triple H for the WWF Championship at Backlash. Um, according to news reports on Wrestling, news, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Triple H was pretty much scheduled to win that match pretty much up until the day of. Um, <laughs> Vince went, Al, there's a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> he was scheduled to win it pretty much until the day of. He loses it to Hogan. Um, Dave comments on, like, I don't know how much with the rock on, I don't know how long this nostalgia act is going to run for, how people will be interested in it, whether or not. 
Um, and then month a month later, Hogan loses it to Taker at Judgment Day. Oh, sandbag choke slam to end the match. <laughs> Hogan was not happy. That don't work for me, brother. <laughs> After being driven, dra- dragged by his feet through Monday Night Raw on the back of a motorcycle, I bet he wasn't. Um, and then, of course, we're going to get into this a little bit after this, but Taker would eventually lose to The Rock and Vengeance just a couple days later after this show. So they're playing a hot potato with this WWE Championship. I think, uh, to be honest with you, if there was a year where the WWE Championship changed the hands the most, it's probably 2002. Um, we go from Jericho to Triple H to Hogan to Undertaker to Rock to Brock to Big Show to Kurt Angle all in the same calendar year. I forgot about that Big Show reign. <laughs> It was awful. It was it was the Paul Heyman Big Show reign that they try and run back in uh, WECW too. Right. Get a feeling. Um, that. Right. Next one come up. Rock dips out after Mania to focus on Scorpion King promotion. He hosts SNL for the second time, which I don't even remember. I remember his first time hosting SNL. I can't remember the second time. I can't remember the second through like the fourth for the life of me. Right. Um, <laughs> because he's hosted it so many times at this point. Um, Scorpion King opens up to 36 million in the first weekend. He's a star, it just is what it is. Um, Lita is injured filming Dark Angel. Thanks, Jessica Alba. <laughs> she was doing her own stunts, apparently. That's right. That's um, right. Let me let me tell you something. Just the last episode, we talked about how much of a shoddy Lita Karana that Lita does. She tempt she does the same thing in the show, and there's no surprise that she completely injured herself once it's out of a wrestling <laughs> any kind of wrestling thing that she would injure herself. Initially, she was expected six to nine months to be out. She is out a year and a half. Um May 5th. WWE turns from WWE to w- from WWF to WWE. Uh, Worldwide World Wildlife Funds gets them the fuck out of here and says, "Listen, they dropped the whole campaign. Get the f out." I Panda, remember that. Panda. <laughs> Get the f out was amazing. I was like, "That's pretty good." I remember. I was like, "Oh, okay." That was um, real that was real feelings. That was that was a little more than just getting the f out. I was they 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 switched that to a lot of things that year, huh? Right. <laughs> You can get the ass out. <laughs> um. Also, plane ride from hell happens. God damn. Results in so many different. Kurt Henning is fired. Scott Hall fired. Many people in trouble. Goldust is in trouble. Arn Anderson is in trouble. Michael Hayes is in trouble. Ric Flair gets sued. Plane <laughs> ride from hell. The only person who didn't get in trouble is Brock. <laughs> At this yeah, you point. Know Brock was wilding, but yeah. yeah. Hey, we got some. Yeah, we can't let everybody <laughs> play wrestling on a plane, slammed right into the emergency exit door. <laughs> Everyone's drunk. Um, also in the span, NWA TNA launches. Oh, wow, he's gonna pay what ten dollars a week or some crap like that. Absolutely, weekly pay per views. Well, you think about the breakdown, right? <laughs> <laughs> Four weeks. That's the cost of a pay-per-view, bro. You know what I'm saying? Four weeks in a row. They probably, hand over fist, they probably made mad money doing that more than what they did when they tried to go weekly. AJ Styles, Jeff Jarrett, Ken Shamrock, Road Dog, and Conan are their big guests. I'm not even, I forget who were the actual like first champ. I think Ron Ken Kill- Shamrock, 
Ken Shamrock is the first TNA champion. Okay. Um, I think AJ Styles is the first X Division champion. When does Truth come in? Um, I think he might be after. I could be wrong though. Yeah, I, th- I, thought, I thought he was first or second because he yeah, was like he, he, he might be second. the first black NWA champion. I think. I think so. Let's see. Let me take a look. Let me take a look. 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 Okay. Going through the history of the, I mean, I don't know. I was I was going through the title history of the NWA, and I'm like, oh, this is about to be long. And then I it, it gets real complicated because WCW gets intertwined in that at some point. Absolutely. And they the the lineage they take the lineage away, and they do their own thing again because the, the World Heavyweight Championship was lin- aligned with that at one point, right? Or am I wild? Mm-hmm. No, no, it was it was I think it was broken up once Flair left for uh, New York. Yeah. And they, they still recognize Flair as the NWA champion for a minute. And I think that severed ties with NWA and WCW from that point on. Yeah. Um, so it says Ken Shamrock, Ken Shamrock was the first champion and wow. R-Truth was the second champion. I know. Yeah. He had to be one of the, one, the first yeah. or the second one. In June 2002, Jeff and Jerry Jarrett formed NWA Total Nonstop Action, NWA TNA, and worked out a licensing deal with NWA to control and feature the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and the NWA World Tag Team Championships as their um, championships. Uh, thing, uh, Ken Shamrock beat Malice, who I don't even remember who it is. Might end up being like, yeah, Russia. They turned into no Malice after that. <laughs> All right, I didn't even get into. I got it. Um. <laughs> Returns during this period. Eddie Guerrero is back at the WWE. He was let go six months prior um, for a bunch of things. Uh, he always he always says that that release actually did turn things around for him and actually saved his life. He, I, yeah. I do remember saying that, um, and it made him focus. At that point, he had actually gone over to like ROH at the in, in uh, IWA Mid South. He worked with CM Punk. Um, I that, that. When he left. Um, he said to put a lot of things in perspective. I think he touched a lot of people's lives. Once he left and gave him that perspective, and he went on such a crazy run when he got back. The CM Punk Eddie Guerrero match was the first CM Punk match I've ever seen ever, um, as it should be to be honest. Um, who also returns? Chris Benoit returns after being sidelined with a neck injury for a year. He returns. He's drafted to SmackDown. Somehow ends up on Raw. Um, <laughs> they, need, they needed him. They needed him. He, they needed and then like, sent back to SmackDown right. <laughs> in the summer. Um, Shawn Michaels. This is a big return that kind of came out of nowhere. To be honest with you, I didn't expect it. I didn't read anything at this time. I think it was just like a couple months before my like really getting into dirt sheets. When Shawn Michaels returned, I was legitimately surprised, especially okay. as part of the NWO. Yeah. It always shocked me that Sean's back just like started working again once Austin's uh starts. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? I heard that other guy left. Uh, if you need me, I'm right here. I'm not doing much. I got one more in me, you know. It is funny to see, and, and and mind you, like I know Sean's probably over a lot of that pettiness. I know that him and Austin are probably cool, you know, uh, you know, time heals. Uh, all old wounds but like sean did you guys ever expect him to to be such a a force in that company like he is right now with the young talent having his own show two shows now when nxt uh uk but now nxt europe i expect him to have a big part in that as well he's got like kids like like literal like 
you know, people that look up to him that 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 are in the company now. Did you guys ever expect that? Mm, I'd say by 02, no, I, I wouldn't. I didn't even see it becoming like this, you know, lengthy run that it became. But by 05 and the matches he was having on a regular basis, I was I was sure like, oh, yes, especially by the time he had the match with Sheldon. I was like, oh, yeah, he's helping bring guys up for sure. Yeah. Like, that's his calling now. And when he wasn't necessarily, I think he had no ambitions to win the world championship neither. Yeah. yeah. Um, he'd, he'd like won it for a month and dropped it back to Triple H at some point. And it didn't seem like he had any ambitions to be world champion again. He just kind of wanted to have one last run and kind of do his thing. And now, you know what? Just 20 years later after that, he's pretty much helping the development of the next generation of superstars. So it's it's, it's pretty incredible. Solo, um, Solo, I want to thank you for everything you did. <laughs> it was incredible. Good luck to you, wherever you might go again. What are the most charismatic men just going to like? Been reduced to like a waddling commissioner, I guess. I don't know. He, he looked crazy, bro. Also, was lying about solo. I said, What did he do? What did he do for the past year? He didn't really do much. He disappeared for like a good half of the year. Solo? Hello, <laughs> I want to thank you, but you're not off the hook yet. Oh, Melo, what are you doing out there? I just want to say, Did he actually like move his neck? Like, <laughs> no. He's so focused. He's like so. He's he's so geriatric. Um, the final return that I have listed here is Rey Mysterio. Finally, um, from years of I guess I don't know. He's probably working in Mexico or Puerto Rico. The hype hype for this is crazy. Remember the old mask video with the nitro footage interspersed between it? I was like, yo, it's going to be different came back tatted up crazy tatted up the shit because that, that was one of the first creator wrestlers i don't know if you're going to talk about this but like that was one of the first creator wrestlers you made in smackdown shut your mouth was mm-hmm. Rey mysterio they had the pack already ready because he had came into the into wwe before the game was finished and they said well, let me just throw his assets in there you can make them that was the first person you made had all his moves i said yo Rey mysterio was one of the ones when he came in yeah, and I'm just glad they, they updated the theme years later. Cause yeah. that, uh, Here we go, Mysterio. I could do that. <laughs> Mysterio. Oh, my God. Um, Let's talk about debuts in this period. You got Randy Orton on SmackDown. Oh, wow. Um, Fresh, fresh uh, Randy Orton had early matches against Hardcore Holly. The Undertaker. No, he took liberties. <laughs> it's called the initiation right there, man. Absolutely it. Um... Deacon Batista. Oh boy. <laughs> the Not much to say about earrings. That. The earrings is crazy, man. I want to play Devon's theme. <laughs> Devon, Reverend Devon's oh, theme. Reverend Devon. <laughs> Let's call his name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And of course, as you know, 20 years later, John Cena. <laughs> oh, this is Mr. Ruthless Aggression at the time. Absolutely. We were heading it. We're fully formed into the Ruthless Aggression era. Oh, yes. Let's see. Other Also during this period, Davey Boy Smith passes away. Oh, man. Uh, passes away from a heart attack from years oh. of steroid use. The 20 years apart shit is just the parallels of just how this business changes every every two every every two years. It's crazy. Like, I think 2012 was a crazy year, too. You yeah. Know? And that yeah, 2012 was like a nut, like crazy, crazy year for wrestling as well. Um, 
there was a lot of talent coming up, but it, it is crazy looking at hindsight. A lot of these guys don't even heat up for the next five, six years. <laughs> like they, they, they're not hit hot for a while. Um, during this period, WWE's trying to sign Goldberg. Goldberg is not really that interested, but he's listening. Um, they're also trying to sign Scott Steiner, although no one thinks his body will hold up. Bro, um, Mills, you got to do the goddamn the Steiner Diaries, bro. Just that, <laughs> just that three months. <laughs> we can just talk about that three months. The, the, the first three matches with, with yeah. Triple H. We can just talk he, about the Steiner Diaries. How he ends up in the Royal, the main event of Royal Rumble, the main event of No Way Out, and not on WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> like is it is it because the thing is that the interesting part is like this is the question like did triple h sabotage his career like that is the question of of the of the uh the scott steiner thing is is that trip was triple h trying to get him back you know and and i think it's interesting i hear both sides i'm on the triple h side but i hear both sides for it's, it's, it was the pose down man that's what did it he looked at him and said <laughs> When, when he got Batista bombed out of his pants, I'm sure that's what Triple H. Was <laughs> I saw his ass crack, Vince. I mean, what do you want me to do with that? <laughs> Whole tidy whities on television. Um, DDP retires from active in-ring competition at 46. Who knew mind at 46 you, he couldn't be a weekly in-ring wrestler? Mind you, he had just been on the Raw that we watched literally yeah. last episode. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, you know what? It's safe for me. Apparently, his back was all messed up. And this was like one of those times where WWE, their insurance, everyone was like, nah, he should not wrestle yeah. actively again. Yeah. Um, so he chose to retire. Of course, you know, after a while, DDP yoga would become a thing, changing lives, et cetera, et cetera. Um, shout to DDP. Um, Bret Hart seriously injured in a bike accident and suffers a stroke immediately after. Um, that happened during this period. It would eventually lead to the reconciliation between him and Vince McMahon um, after Vince reaches out after he's in the hospital for quite some time. Um, yeah, that, that pick in the confidential studio was legendary when it dropped. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is going on outside? That was, that's, oh. Brett. that's Brett. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember that um, at this point, it was literally on the front page of them shaking hands. It was a video, too. Like, that was... Yeah. And then he Absolutely. said, because this was when Impact he's was trying to... They was doing a Monday. He was trying to get, um, no, it was before that. That that was when v- Bret Hart came back. The sh- the handshake. Oh, when Vince it, yeah, McMahon, it was Bret Hart appreciation night in twenty ten. He was That's trying it. to, yeah, he was trying to get Bret Hart to the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. In 06. That's right. That's when that, yeah. that's when Hogan had a little some some for uh Terry Bollier. Right, right. <laughs> but he wasn't. I don't even think. I think even in 04 or 05, he wasn't really ready yet. But eventually, he does come around to the Hall of Fame, and he's and you know he does that, and then doesn't really do anything for like five six years after that. Um, during this period, Trish Stratus and Bradshaw versus Christopher Nowinski and Jackie Gata happens. <laughs> Why? One of the worst matches of all time. Literally, I is I think the thing is the impact actually lapsed that match. Like the the uh, what what was the match? Like they, they it was a minus five stars match. Minus five stars. <laughs> it was who was it? Oh, Look I'm, it up. It, I I feel like it was Charmel versus somebody. <laughs> minus I feel, five I stars. I feel like it. Um, it was Jenna Maraska. Uh, Jenna Maraska <laughs> versus Charmel. Charmel. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Minus five. That was the one that put impact in the dirt. It was just 
Minus five stars. Like Alvarez is a schmuck, but legendary call from him that night. Like that's one of the greatest rants. If you've never heard the minus five stars, please go listen to that rant. Jackie Gato's entering career never. (laughs) It never happens after this. Um, And then on the June 10th Raw, inspired by pretty much a lot of things that happened, Stone Cold Steve Austin walking in. So we'll talk about Stone Cold, but the idea heading into Stone Cold. Stone Cold, they turned Ric Flair heel um, to to kind of face off against Stone Cold. They felt like they needed to do that for whatever time. Stone Cold leaves, so they have to turn Ric Flair back face again. And then they have Vince McMahon randomly show up on Raw. This is the Raw that he walks out, randomly show up on Raw, and is like, yo, we're fighting for 100% of the company now. <laughs> Brock Lesnar interferes, F5s Ric Flair, for whatever reason, not sure, because they don't really follow up with it. Um, and Vince McMahon wins complete total ownership of the WWE, and they're pivoting again. Yeah. You know, I didn't see it for what it what it was at the time, but it's like now looking back, it's like, oh shit, Vince is rebooking in front of our eyes, like right here on the fly, folks. Just seeing him rebook shit. He did it twice. Like that's the thing. That that is one thing I will say about this year is that like we the the rebooking of Vince leaving the company was very subtle. I don't think that the that the outcomes were different. It was the way we got to the outcomes that were different with what Mm -hmm. Triple H did. It was who came back that was different. It was giving more excitement to the shows. I do think that he did not I I do appreciate that he did not do like a tonal whiplash of what these shows were. Like at at its core, Raw is still a three-ass hour show. But there's shit going on there. SmackDown still two hours, but there's shit going on there and it feels young. It feels youthful. It feels fast. So like... I was better. Yeah, flows better. And with with this, it was literally just like full stop. I don't care. I don't give a fuck what y'all are doing. Y'all need to just be a bad guy again, and you turn face again. And the NWO, they're gone. <laughs> like, like racer mode, just going, <laughs> just erasing shit. Work Flair's just back to being a talent now. Just a guy in the t-shirt, guy in whatever pay per view coming up t-shirt. <laughs> the consortium, the consortium is it? <sighs> okay, let's talk about NWO. WWE's NWO. Um, what went wrong? What do you ultimately feel like went wrong? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> it wasn't theirs. It wasn't theirs. I think that the personalities are just so different. You can't you can't book NWO without those personalities being there. And the thing is, is that even by the end of WCW, NWO wasn't what NWO was. You know what exactly. I mean? Like this wasn't what it was. You fired half the talent. You kept the the older guys there who are old. And, and can barely move anymore and barely even move when they were fucking there. But, but like, you know, the, the personality is just different. You can't give NWO to Vince McMahon who doesn't watch TV and, and expect him to understand Attica and shit like that. Like, you can't give that to him. You know? <laughs> and the NWO reboot in WWE was pretty much over the, like the night of WrestleMania X8. I mean, you've got Hulk back in the territory as a white meat baby face, according to the Toronto crowd. The next night in Montreal, we know he gets a standing ovation for damn near 10 minutes. It's like, the NWO is dead at that point. Like, it's look over. Sean. Look at Sean. Look at his face. Look at his face, man. Sean is just like, I'm trying to have fun with Kev. <laughs> We're trying to I, I want to be inspiration behind the Kango. Like, I got to ask him about the Kango. Hmm. That's a good question. It makes, uh, me, some... tough. It makes me look right. like right. <laughs> it gives him a street vibe or something. What do you think? <laughs> Street. Um, NWO. Uh, so essentially, what kind of started the end of it all? Um, 
well, definitely I attributed Hulk Hogan deciding to dip out, peace out, literally after one month. They said, nah, it was red and yellow. People are yeah. clamoring for it that. It didn't work for me anymore, brother. So he had to go. So with that, they brought in X-Pac, who they always wanted to bring in anyway. It was pretty much Scott and you know Kevin was just like, yo, we want to bring in X-Pac anyway. He's not really doing anything. Um, this would be a great vibe for him. He's a great, he's a r- original member of the group. Then the plane ride from hell happens. <laughs> Scott Hall, uh, you know, once again, after being, I mean, this isn't the first time that he's essentially, he's, he's already on thin ice because he's already shown up to shows drunk or something along those lines. Um, they completely just fire him after that. Even on TV, they said Ric Flair outright fired him. On He was like, I just, I fired Scott Hall. And apparently backstage, that was the issue for Nash of pretty much Ric Flair saying that because the NWO was supposed to be uncontrollable. They weren't supposed to be able to be like fired on a whim or anything because that sets a bad president. Like why not just fire the rest of the NWO? Mm-hmm. Um, so Nash pretty much... You end up cutting a promo on Raw, like pretty much like, yo, despite what happened, we don't listen to any of the powers. And that's the promo that brings Shawn Michaels to the forefront. Um, so random. I, I remember being like younger at that point, being like, what are y'all doing? Like, I was yeah. part of the interview at that point in 2002. They decide they need a big man. And of course, Big Show is just always available. He's always on call. He's not really doing anything. He's never also- of any substance. When you was in WCW, these motherfuckers beat the shit out of you all the time and turned on you and beat the, like at no least sense. three times. You know what I mean? At least twice. <laughs> so they brought in Big Show. They also inco- incorporate Booker T into the fold, trying to do a whole gold dust storyline. Booker that? T getting cut out of the NWO. Booker was a diversity hire. All right? <laughs> <laughs> it made no sense on paper. It made no sense besides that. Was and he fun. was just cool. My favorite thing was Booker T. The character was just cool with it. He was like, yo, I'm in a gang now. <laughs> <laughs> but Book was over, though, especially like right after he got out the NWO. He was still super over. Absolutely. We were talk about that a little bit on the show. But yeah, definitely. Like, so he had this form of the NWO. They weren't really menacing. They didn't really have anything. Kevin Nash, for this entire time, was sidelined by a bicep injury. Um, didn't reach. <laughs> didn't return until I think the Monday Night Raw on June 3rd. Finally come back from the bicep injury. He's in an eight-man tag. Steps in the ring once. <laughs> quad. <laughs> quad. <laughs> Tears his quad on the first move in. And then the NWO is over. Yep. Quad is gone. They just said, all right, fuck it. This is this is done. We can't do it. Vince is Vince essentially says, like, nah, we gotta Austin's gone. <laughs> I'm it's pretty sure that was the first thing he said. He's like, Austin's gone. Nash Hall, this isn't working. This isn't working at all. Um, and we're gonna talk about it on this. He dissolves the NWO on this episode of Raw, but the NWO, yeah, it was I don't want to say it was necessarily doomed to fail, but it's definitely it, it felt like everything the invasion was trying to take elements of WCW or another company and try to revitalize it under a WWE thing. But it, like you said, plus it wasn't really theirs. So what ends up becoming of it is a shell of itself filled with WWE guys who people aren't even that interested in anyway. And, um, Sorry oh, about that. See? 
The money, the money <laughs> calling. Stop it! I tried so the bad. Money calling. <laughs> Ends up, um, and that's kind of how it is. The NWO man, two thousand two to two thousand two. For what the, it was used for, much like WCW, it was doomed to fail because of what they were using it for. It wasn't authentic or organic in any way. Like, you should have just... I, I really think it would have been interesting to see them do the separate show for WCW. Like, they, mm. like they had, they had kind of batted around for a minute and have WCW have their own show. And not, not necessarily, like, Raw be the first hour and WCW be the second hour, but, like, have their own... Like, thing. They, had the, they had the capital and they had the the opportunity and they could have called anybody to take that WCW show, you know what I mean? And, and make it their own. And um, I would have loved to see that. Cause you can't, you can't just kind of put, put a square peg in a round hole there. Like we, we loved our Austin's. We loved our rock. You can't bring in Sean Stasiak <laughs> into that. Like it just don't, it don't fit. Like it works better on video games than, than it but, does in real life. But I feel like even then, like I can't, I don't know. I can't trust Vince McMahon booking WCW, which is weird as fuck to say. Because, like, I felt like he was, like, one out of ten for every WCW. Like, Rey Mysterio is truly the... Rey Mysterio and Booker T, I would say, probably are the lasting successes um, of WCW and WWE. Jericho? Um, oh, yeah, you gotta put Jericho in there, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess you gotta put Jericho. I, he I came, feel like... He came over earlier, but, I mean, I guess out of the guys... Yeah, you have to put, Jer- you have to put Jericho in there, too. So they're the lasting successes. Um, and just so many just kind of like never really worked. Felt like he never got it. The the charm of it just never kind of resurfaced on the WWE stage. I don't feel like he understood Goldberg until this last decade. Like, yeah, he gave him the steam back. Yeah, like, <laughs> like would, I, he have, I, would he have understood Sting if Sting came over in 2002? If Sting comes in 2002, I feel like Sting would have got the same treatment he got when he came over. If he got, if he came over, then he was going to take the pedigree. Uh, he was going to get rolled up. He was yeah. going to get rolled up. He was going to sure. take that. They was putting the, they was putting him in the pack. They was like, you want to? You was waiting out, huh? Mm-hmm. You waving that flag, huh? I, I think we would have. Like, here's the thing, like. Everyone wants to say like the Sting Undertaker match. Like, was Undertaker even interested in doing that match? Like, I know if Vince said to do it, he would have did it. But like, was he interested in doing that match? You know what I mean? And and, and how would that have looked at that point? Um, with Sting again, he takes those long days, them long months off. He always comes back a little bit slower than he did. Like, remember he came back out of shape for the Hogan match, like, right? Right, and, and without a tan. Yeah, like what? <laughs> what? I was like, what are you doing, man? Are you good? But like, you know, who, who knows? You know, like you've been doing in the Raptors for sixteen months, nigga. <laughs> Like Sting going directly to Impact is the craziest thing to me, but again, it, it has parallels to people that left the WWE or, or ended up letting their contracts lapse because they just did not trust Vince McMahon. So, um, I, I guess that's really kind of kind of where you where you where you ended out at. And I just think back to the NWO for a second with with WCW, the, of course, the original iteration. Um, the majority of those NWO promos were basically fucking work shoots. Let's be honest. Kevin Nash would go out there talk some shit. Scott Hall called somebody a J-Brone or something like that down where, down there. There's a lot of work shoot shit going on. And outside the first month of the, the WWF run where they could say they're injecting a lethal poison, it really doesn't work past that. So they're aimlessly wandering through the fucking show. They have no purpose. Yeah, what are they going to say? Uh, uh, sh- got my guaranteed contract? Or <laughs> That's pretty much what he's been running on for the last. Right. Yeah. You know, well, well, goddamn, brother. You know, like. We, we fusion media, motherfucker. <laughs> like, like, what, are, what are you gonna say? You know, there, there's no work shoot there. There wasn't really any oh, that. There wasn't really any problems. Like you'd be like, hey, hey, buff, how you doing? Or some shit like right, that. Right. 
You can't go like, you know, because Chris, the whiskey, you're mid card for life. Yeah. You know, you can't go out there and just run down anybody. Like, you know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. They, they already came in with heat on them, you know? Right. All right, so the next big topic. Stone Cold Steve Austin walks out of the WWE. Um, this time for good. Um, so much that's gone into this. I'm, I mean, when we talked about the whole Sasha and Naomi thing a couple months back, there's so many parallels to this. Um, so much, to me, outrage that I feel like if you'd seen this, you would understand how WWE kind of approaches how they do with these walkout situations. Mm-hmm. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin for a long this is this invented the term in my opinion this is the first time and still probably the only time I've ever heard it he took his ball and went home I've never heard it in any other situation before this or not really after this I heard it on like old sports stuff yeah I've, I've heard it before like used but never like of course in this in this arena but was it the right decision I love seeing Austin like on the documentary where he talks about this because he's like worked up again. And he's like, oh, that's what we're doing tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's interesting. Like looking back, I, I wouldn't have wanted to give away a free Brock versus Austin match. But Vince has the book and Vince, hey, don't worry about it, pal. You'll, you'll be fine. I, I think Austin was burnt out for real. And secondly, when Vince makes the comment on Bite This that says like, well, you know, Austin's used to putting out platinum albums, but now he's putting out gold albums. I know Austin. Mm. Hell, son, and a vote of confidence. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so you know, I'm I'm sure Austin's like he's worked up from that point. He's he's not feeling the same love flat out. He's just not. I feel like this kind of like reminds me of the period where I also hated my job, right? Like just nothing seemed to be going well. None of the decisions seemed to make sense. Everything just kind of seemed to be just like they doing this again come on man like does it and like there are times this isn't i think the main reason why this irked Vince McMahon so much was that this wasn't the the walkout that happens in may 2002 isn't the first walkout that happens even in this year Mm -hmm. austin walks out the night after wrestlemania which is what we talked about on the kind of last episode of why he wasn't apparent in the draft he was undraftable Um, Right. Also, also unfindable. <laughs> he completely left. He was not happy with the direction. He wasn't happy with the NWO stuff. He wasn't happy with a lot of stuff. But I also I also asked the question like, as the biggest star that has ever graced the WWE, does he have the right to be like, yo, I don't like this. Maybe we can maybe we should do something else. Like, or maybe I shouldn't be the guy who's losing to Brock Lesnar in the first round of the King of the Ring tournament, to be honest with you. It's it's this is a it's a slippery slope, but also like a tough situation to call. Like you could compare Austin to a Michael Jordan or LeBron James or you know uh Brett not, oh man, not Brett Favre, uh Tom Brady, you know what I'm saying? Like right. you know, you could compare him they to call those, their shot. He calls his shots and, and right. to, to fans, they would feel like he's justified in that. But sure. as a as a company that is I think they're republic at this point. I don't I don't know if they're republic, public, they're they're republic. republic point. You can't make decisions like that on a whim for, you know, this isn't an independently owned company anymore. Like thinking of it as a company sense, you are taking money out of our pockets and pockets of people you work with food out of their mouths, too, because they they depend on you to to feed them, you know, to help feed them and shit like that. And this is you're, you're part of a plan. Like once you leave, you fuck it up for everybody. Everybody's sure. got to work 
two times harder. Not saying they don't work hard, but they got to work two times harder because, you know, you you were part of you were the leader. You were the one who were helping everybody. You know, what I'm saying, you know, get that confidence to do things as far as justified. I think Austin will tell you himself he didn't feel as though he did that he did it the right way. You know, it's not it, I feel like it's not up to me or anybody else to say, like, oh, this was the right thing to do because he said it himself. It wasn't the right thing to do. I feel like it's pretty much a, a given where it's like, yo. Yes, you could quit your job, but there's, there's consequences that come with that. You know what I'm saying? Whether it be what you do afterwards or what the company chooses to do with you. Yeah. I mean, no pun intended. The company's bottom line driven. So if you do anything to affect that bottom line, you know, you're fucking with the money. And Vince obviously is bottom line driven. So if there's anything that's going to be, you know, hindering his future house shows, his future TV, he's especially with a guy the caliber of Steve, like he's going to be pissed about it if he walks out and gets on a plane and rebooks his travel to go home without telling anybody. Just like he was pissed when when Jim Helwig did it. You know what I mean? Just like he was pissed when countless other people held him over a barrel. Jared. Jeff Jared, right. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like, um, I know we're gonna I, I mean, I do we do we swerve into the 2022 moment here, or do we like <laughs> I mean I mean we definitely can. I mean, I think so what I think is probably a, a major parallel which which is why michael cole makes that announcement on on raw and smackdown this week of like to the unprofessional nature of sasha banks and naomi da, 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 and everyone was kind of up in arms about it but if you go back 20 years i feel like vince mcmahon coming out himself um on that raw did, i think pretty much the raw that he walked out kind of breaking all characters, breaking all boundaries and stuff like that. I'm not even sure at this point. Um, I'm not sure at this point he's even on Raw. <laughs> I feel like he still might have been the G, the, the owner of SmackDown at this point. Um, but he comes out and he makes this announcement that Steve Austin has decided to walk out, take his ball and go home. And, you know, just things are going to be different. I think he... He's trying to make the plea of like, and if Austin decides to come back, he come back and they put the beer can, I think, in the middle of the ring and stuff like that, and that mm-hmm. whole kind of gesture. Um, but just even having that, and then the following week, or even later that night, I think later right? that night. it was later that night. You missed the the, the, the rock. Piece. Yeah, that's the, the rock to get the f out. That's why. That's why when they when they said that that was like that was such the biggest point. I was like, bro, they didn't even put the avalanche on them. Imagine Charlotte comes out at the nine o'clock hour. And she puts her stank on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine she was she wasn't on honeymoon or wasn't getting married at that point, and she came out and said, and they told her to do some, you know, to cut a promo. The Rock was mad he was being called back to work because someone <laughs> I was being called back. I'm on thing. I gotta bring a, whatever team just bring it shirt that I got, um, and fly back in. And he cuts this promo. This kind of like promo is like, if you don't like wrestling with the WWE, you can do like the you know. You can do like the slogan and get that f out, you know. Um, fans cheered that shit. Fans cheered that shit. You sure they, did. They were upset, and I think it's a. I think one big difference is is that fans are a little more clued into what's going on on the internet now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all they had heard was really, you know, what WWE was telling them. And, and so I, I go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I remember specifically. This was on the time I was on WWE.com all the time because that's kind of how I got a lot of my information before I found the Rajas and Lords of Pain and all this other stuff like that. Lords of Pain died. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the article that came out. It was like as of you know May 17, 2002 or something or May 7th or whatever the hell what date it was. 
that Stone Cold Steve Austin has walked out on the company and blah, blah, blah. And I remember reading that. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like, not even knowing the magnitude. I think it, if this happens in 2022, it's a trending topic for at least a week. We get speculation out the wazoo. I mean, it happened with the Sasha and Naomi thing. Like, the, the speculation is just kind of everywhere running rampant. Um, but even then, I mean, you had we had so much... It's weird for even at that time, I guess we had so many fingerprints and so many clues. Steve Austin, before he walks out, or maybe the week he walks out, I forget the timeline on this, is on Bite This with Kevin Kelly. And he's talking about the, which is like the only show where I guess they go off of the the, the normal WWE script of things. Um, I love Bite it's This. It's a shoot, brother. It's a shoot. Yeah, yeah. I love Bite This. Um, he goes on, he's like, listen, the, the creative stinks. Like, I don't know what they thinking, but... What do you think? Substandard? I, I got a better word for it. Piss poor? <laughs> <laughs> he hated everything that was going on. You could find, you could hear the frustration in his voice. Um, with a mixture of that being burnt out, completely burnt out, um, that frustration, nothing since pretty much the invasion angle has really, not necessarily gone his way, but there doesn't seem to be really any direction. Um I always felt, since we're talking about this, I always felt after he came back from the neck injury, I think he was always concerned about his spot on the roster. Definitely. And I I think, especially when you see The Rock moving into place and he's like rivaling Pops with him and you see Triple H moving in place, McFoley, The Undertaker, everyone kind of taking their spot. I think he was so determined on reaffirming that spot. And I think that even led to the decision of him deciding to turn heel. Oh, sure. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's change this up a little bit. Let's, you know, freshen up. So, you know, I remain on top. Um, and that's what the dirt sheets were saying at the time, too. I remember reading that as in, like, in high school. Like, they were saying, like, you know, maybe he needs to turn heel at WrestleMania. That was a conversation that was had. So, it, at like, that time, it was, you know, quote-unquote justified by some. Right. But I feel like so much of this was definitely within his head. I think mm-hmm. if he looks at it like, okay, I don't think he's had a chance to look at it as just, like, the what's the company doing? What co- what direction the company is doing as opposed to what direction Steve Austin is going um, for a long time, because usually the company's direction has been whatever direction Stone Cold Steve Austin is leading it towards. Right. So I don't think he's always had that be able to take a step back and really assume you're, you're now just part of the guys. You're just part of where we're going as WWF. Um, And that may be, you know, um, Brock Lesnar. We may be going in the direction of Brock Lesnar. We may be having and you know, his feud before he's supposed to leave was the feud with Eddie Guerrero that may be Eddie Guerrero and we're building him up or something along those lines. But I don't think he's ever looked at it from that standpoint. I think he was so much in his head. I think so much things are going on. Um, he doesn't feel necessarily uh, especially the WWE Championship scene. There are no plans for him at WrestleMania. But even like I'm sure by Survivor Series, there's a plan for WrestleMania for Stone Cold Steve Austin. He doesn't have that. He's kind of just thrown into whatever NWO thing that kind of happened. Like a banana po- uh, program. Right. And he's trying to kind of come to terms with that. And I think he had a very hard time coming to terms with that. And I think um, it started, I didn't mean to cut you off, me, but I think it started um, when on the other side of the hill turned it 01. You know, when um he had his, you know, the quote unquote work rate was there. I thought his matches were. You know, oh, was an amazing excellent. year for him. You know, yeah. but um, but character-wise, I feel like he always felt like he was fighting against something. I mean, remember there was that, you know, that there was a tease of the turn back to face leading up to the invasion pay-per-view, right? Into the alliance, 
Um, I, I, th- I, I enjoyed the comedy. I enjoyed uh, the bits as a heel. But when he turned back face at the end of the year after the invasion storyline, I, I even knew as a what was that a 14 year old that the pops in late 01 weren't the same as the pops in 98 and 99. And maybe, you know, he felt that, too. And, but that's like the, the cardinal difference between where you could say, okay, I get Austin doing it, but Sasha and Naomi, I don't really know. Like, it's not the, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's not really, I feel like there's a bunch of, like, here's the one thing I, I said when that happened was there's a bunch of arguments about creative that we do not see every day. Sure. Right? I think that there is a week that goes by where there isn't talent that walks up and says, I don't like this creative or I want to change it or whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think big picture once we, and you know, we don't really know, if the if the you know the articles that came out about oh well they were supposed to have two different matches, I, I we don't know if that was really the the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know if we'll ever know. You know what I mean? But it, but from the outset where where I'm thinking of it as where I'm just like okay, yeah, it's not up to me to say whether they should have did it or not. I don't think I would have did it. I don't think that a lot of people would have did it, but they did. I think that the, the 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 after the the aftermath. I think WWE was was petty. But I was, but then I was like, but they're always petty when people do that, and sure. I and I don't think that it was worse than what Austin got. I think well, that I've been right. told, like I've been told, people say, oh well, it's gonna it's gonna paint them with the label of hard to work with. They paint black women with the label hard to work with. I'm like, I I, I can't see a situation where no one would ever hire those two if they were actually fired. I don't yeah. know. I just in in the business, I can't see anyone saying that those two are hard to work with. They would they would hire them. The same with Austin. The minute they said I'm going to come to Impact, if if it was Austin, or the minute they say that well, I want to go to AEW, if it was those two women, like I don't think it's, I think it's literally what they've always done with these people, and they've tried to make it because the one thing I I didn't agree with was people trying to say oh they did it because they were they were black women and they were they were standing up for themselves. I was just like bro, I know for a fact Sasha's probably many times told Vince to shove it to a, to a booking uh, direction. Absolutely, and I think even um in this situation. This is like you said. So, in, in this situation as well, and sorry to cut you off. I don't know if you had any additional thoughts because I want to move into the confidential. Um, pretty much that everything that happened with that WWE starts this new show. Luckily, they started a new show like two two weeks prior. Um, kicked off with the Montreal Screwjob thing. That Montreal Screwjob WWF Confidential was eye opening in so many ways, and it was this type of program in WWF was kind of doing that was, it was still like. WWF superstars like oh you know we're on tour here's me with a monkey and stuff but it was also like these real stories that are going on because I watched this episode I watched Montreal screw job um the week that Bischoff comes back they have a whole thing on Bischoff and like what the decision he made to come WCW footage and all this other stuff like that um they decided they want to tell the stone cold truth oh yes I remember watching this live as a kid too. This is in the same slot as a uh, as excess. Remember excess? Oh yeah, God. of course, man. Like this. So Austin, they talk about the kind of whole situation. They even got Jim Ross there, who's the head of talent relations, who I even feel like at his time probably took some heat from it as well for not being able to kind of like figure this kind of thing out. Um, because he looks like he's there and he's like, it's like Austin's best friend is forced to pretty much like, it's just unprofessional. Like everything that he's doing. Like it, I, I called him back three times. He doesn't look necessarily happy to be doing it. Um, <laughs> he doesn't look like he's completely, he's on the side of the company, 
but I guess his body language isn't necessarily showing that he's, you know, um, leaning one way or another with it. He's kind of just playing the straight man. Um, it's clear Vince told him to hey, hey, leave the damn hat over there. <laughs> <laughs> he felt like the he felt like the hat was like a was like a call. A right. <laughs> I'm still with you. I'm still with you. Oh my god! They talk about like like plus said Austin privately rebooked his flight to head home before Raw. Didn't tell anyone. Called the guy who was booking flights and was like, "Yeah, just book my ship." Nah, yeah, Steve, Steve and Deborah Williams, <laughs> San Antonio, right the fuck now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's thirty five. <laughs> thirty five flight. I can do that, <laughs> bro. That that's when you you kind of get like the. I mean, to go back to Sasha and Naomi, I'm like, this is countless times they're disrespecting this man, bro. Right. They they gave you that one comment. I think we all agree that was an ill-timed and unnecessary thing for them to do. I, I don't think that they should have ever did that. They gave them that one comment. They gave Steve Austin a 30-minute show, brother. Like, you want to talk about disrespect? He should still be mad at that shit today. Vince <laughs> man, mad at that today. Vince McMahon says on camera, he was like, I don't think... I don't know whether this was... For- or not but he says i don't think stone cold will ever work for this company again how can i trust someone who's not only walked out once but twice and he has you know the company look towards everything to look towards like shareholders all these other things i just can't trust stone cold steve austin anymore so i find it very hard for this situation where he's back in this company um maybe it is later down the line it ends up being true later down the line but um, as of right now, he was like, I can't trust him and he will no longer work here. I'm interested to know the contract situation though. Like, I haven't read the book, Stone Cold's book. I'm probably on probably they froze it. him out. I think they froze yeah. him out. Yeah. Mm. And he had to he had to pay a fine when he got back to yeah, it. He had to pay a heavy fine. Like it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars or some shit like that. Like they, I I plus do you remember if he was paid during that time? I don't think he was paid during that time. I don't think so. I, yeah, I think he said I think they froze him out. Yeah, they, they, I think they froze his contract out. They froze him out. They 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 got dirty with it. Like that's why I'm like I, I'm a little I'm I'm interested in seeing like how this Naomi Sasha thing is going because they're not officially they're not fired. They're just suspended. You know what I'm saying? But this is but it's like you know I wonder how that pay goes. But I, I think in terms of just comparing the two, like I think the big parallel is like really kind of like the star power of of mm-hmm. Austin was. was out of this world and this, this isn't a disrespect to those two women they're stars in their own right but this is austin and then you know warrior before him you know what i mean like it's in terms of big high high class walkouts and it's like they they treated that shit like it was the end of the world they treated this shit like relative to what we know about austin we know very little about this from wwe's own channels other than what they've told us absolutely i mean this wasn't I don't. I don't know if this. I don't even think this in 2002 became a big news cycle thing, because I think even in 2002 people are still majority thinking that this is like a work. Yeah. I think it becomes um, a little bit of a news cycle thing. So immediately shortly after he walks out of WWE, he actually is in the news for pretty much what you think is the whole altercation with um, his wife Deborah Williams. Is that the orange shirt uh, mugshot? Yep. <laughs> yep. Oof. <laughs> they got helicopters following him, um, all this other stuff like that. And I, I you know, I re- I um listened to Deborah's shoot uh on it in this situation, and she's just like, I mean, yeah, they were going to throw the book at him. Like they were going to the only reason they didn't is I guess cause she pretty much 
didn't necessarily want it to, I guess, being taken to that level, but she felt like they were going to make an example out of Stone Cold Steve Austin and just like, yo, we're going But he ended up getting like 12 months probation, community service, a lot of different things. But you can tell that his life at this period is kind of like spiraling and, and work, all the problems that it was work or bleeding in the home and all these other things. He's being in altercations. Listen, like man, if he was a black man, he'd be in prison right now. Absolutely. <laughs> This would have hard too. He would have missed WrestleMania 19. He would, nigga, he would have missed WrestleMania this year. Like, there, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. You think what happened to the uh, black dude, Ray, uh, the football dude who beat the shit out of Oh, this? Ray Rice. Ray Rice. Where is he? You Street memory. Mean? He's over with. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of people that like, and again, like, full disclosure, seeing Austin in person in, in April, moment, movie. Yeah. Yeah, but, still, you know, yeah, still one of the greatest things in my life when I saw him in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, like we, yeah. we saw the last Stunner Stunner events, although it was a shitty one, but it was a legendary shitty one. But, but think about the even going back to that Stunner events, how fucking poetic is that shit that it was shitty and the shit just got worse after that? Just the, <laughs> there has to be a fucking story just on the April to, to August of this company, bro. Yeah. Right? All right. Biggest numbers they've ever done. A month later, I'm on my I'm on my honeymoon. Steph steps down that Friday. The week later, the 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 allegations pop up. Two weeks, what? Two weeks, three weeks later, I'm gonna take some time off, or I'm I'm a, I'm gonna step down from my from from my role in creative, but I'm gonna show up on TV and be like, "What's happening, niggas?" John Cena. <laughs> a random a random Friday. Uh, you know what? I'm just hanging my shit. I'm just hanging up. I'm, I'm retiring, bro. I'm out. <laughs> like, At 77, time to retire. <laughs> in a tweet. In what a tweet, nonetheless. You know what I'm saying? What about in 70? You could have did this way before then, bro. Like, what the fuck? Like, just incredible. And they didn't skip a beat. You know what I mean? Like, they have not skipped a beat. Like, there has to be something that, that, that shows, like... And the thing is, I can't really say with Vince is this cancel culture type shit, because no one canceled them. He just dipped. Like right. no one even attempted, right? No one attempted to even cancel him. Nah, he he was fully cheered when he showed up in that arena. Yeah. He came out like it was. It was less like if I'm if I'm off camera. He came out like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Right. It's crazy. Like, yeah. Weird. Um, nah, it's 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 absolutely nuts, man. Um, but the Stone Cold thing, it ends up. I mean, you know, it ends up. I I think. Do I think he would have ever became WWE champion again? More than likely, probably. I mean, considering how this year went, nigga might have ended up on SmackDown. To be honest, I think if you gave him the Brock thing and had Brock beat him that first time out, they probably would have done the whole Stone Cold. Well, Brock was supposed to beat him because Eddie Guerrero would interfere. Exactly, and, it was going to lead to Eddie and, and, and Austin, and right? Austin. Right, right. Which led you back around to Brock and Austin, probably at Mania. Or or the way the rosters ended up shaking out with you know Eddie and Brock ending up on SmackDown. I mean, maybe they could freshen up that that endless Triple H Shawn Michaels program. And there's yeah. a Triple H Austin program, you know, yeah. there's a Triple H Shawn Austin triple threat. You know, yeah. this that could have happened. And then it would it would have been whose side is he on? Is HBK really on uh you know on his own side or is, is DX back together? There was some angles you could have you could have made out of that. I think that again, like Neil said that. He Austin was mortal. He was feeling mortal, and, and that's what happens when you are getting older. You're starting. And, I think, to and I, yeah, and I think 
at this time, his body was more than likely breaking down again. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And he was just like, I think he was overall just frustrated just where his, where everything, where his life was kind of headed. Um, so we head into the Raw that happens um, July 15th, 2002. Monday Night Raw emanating from the Continental Airlines Arena. Good old Meadowlands. In East Rutherford, New Jersey. At the time, the home of the New Jersey Nets. Home of King of the Ring 2001. <laughs> wow. That's, a, that's Shane versus uh, Kurt Angle. Oof, um, yeah. Home of SummerSlam 1997. Scene of the crime with Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Rest in peace, but it's kind of why he's mad at that point, too, because it's like, hey, I, I would have had about 10 more years in this thing. I got the biggest push of my life in 97, and I got maybe five years top, tops out of it wrestling. This is true. This is definitely true. Monday Night Raw's theme song, so I haven't got into the actual Raw, the brand split of Raw. So Raw gets a completely new look, um, new stage, new kind of motif. Gets Matt all ears spinning. song. Across the nation. Oh, get the night. We're in this together. We're doing it all. But they refuse to see the change in me. Why won't they wake up? Come on. I'm running through a wall. I'm running through a wall on Monday night. <laughs> to the music. That fucking music. That fucking music. Fun, fact, fun facts about this. So the Union Underground is a band that disbands in 2002. <laughs> and they have to hear that shit for five years straight. Until what? Whoa, never give in. Oh, was it Nickelback next? That no, that was next, right? That was next. Whoa, I thought, yeah. whoa, I, thought I thought that song was early two thousand tens, right? No, oh, that might have been Homecoming. That might have been um, Raw Homecoming USA. Oh, and they went I, back. Yeah, yeah, might have been, might have been. You could definitely look it up. It's on the WWE Raw Wikipedia somewhere. Um. So that was fun. They reformed in 2016, but they definitely like it was not performing across the nation. <laughs> For <At> sure. <laughs> um, this was off of WWF Forcible Entry. Hell uh, a crazy <laughs> album title. Yeah, they need to change that one. <laughs> crazy never, album title. It's never resurfacing. They're just gonna name it. If they ever bring it back, it's gonna be called WWF the Music Volume Six. That shit is called an anthology, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not I want to run through the I want to run through the track listing of forcible entry. Wait, so to be loved and burn it to the ground were both there, but burn it to the ground ended up lasting longer. Mm. So so to be loved premiered on August 9th, two thousand six. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and then ended on no November 9th, two thousand nine. Burn it to the ground was November sixteenth, two thousand nine. Wow. Oh, okay. okay. Forcible entry. Track listing kicks things off. The game performed my drowning pool. Uh, oh, this is the B side. This is okay. I remember this project. Yeah. Second track, Legs by Kid Rock. Yeah, that was Keebler, right? That was Stacey Keebler. Okay, yeah, yeah, got it. Got it. I'm like, all right, man. Cover of the ZZ Top song. <laughs> um, the next track, Young Girl Old, performed by Creed. It's the theme song for Backlash 2002, which I couldn't. Doesn't ring second Creed song? No. Um, <laughs> fourth track, Glass Shatters, performed by Disturbed. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Watch out. I 
but I bet ain't that you real. Yeah. Oh my god. Track five, Rolling, Dead Man Mix. That's oh, from Olympus Biscuit. Ooh, Dead Man Walker. Here we keep rolling, 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 rolling. Yeah. Um, track six, Whatever, performed by Our Lady Peace, the theme song of Chris Benoit. You're like, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. All right, so this is a fun one. Track seven, never gonna stop. Performed by Rob Zombie. <laughs> I don't think now in retrospect, I don't think I like that song. Nah, because he has a superior song coming. It's waiting yeah. in the wings. Just wait on it. I was like, no, I think about it. I was like, I don't really like this song. What is it? And yeah, I, I would have kept the standard Jim Johnson uh bop. And, and then went straight to Alder Bridge. Yeah, after that. Tears don't well into your eyes when you hear Metalingus, my nigga. There you go. Come I on, don't man. really know what to tell you, bro. I don't track know. Number, track number eight, one of a kind, Rob Van Dam. <laughs> We're what? not doing that Pantera song from ECW, but I got one for you. Hold on. Yeah, you go. We got to, we got to kind of, it's kind of the same. Right. <laughs> when you look in my eyes, makes you believe I'm one of a kind. I, I hear Vince McMahon when those lyrics are sung because I mean it's so close to the ECW theme. So I was like, oh, I got an idea. We're gonna talk about what I think about. You're one of a kind. Well, he's, picks and flips. He's like, really hands on with these themes and the edits of these themes. He's really hands on. I, I gotta get Wale on one day so he can tell the story of how he made Big E's bigger than ever with oh Vince McMahon. God. Like that was a moment to see. You know what I'm saying? Like he made that was a real moment. He's very hands-on. He's more tapped in. He's almost like like a like an idiot savant in that way. Like he's more tapped in than you think the mm. thing, but not tapped in, in the way that you want him to be. I believe it. Like I want to hear the story behind the D'Lo Brown song. And, <laughs> and, and why did he name that guy Slapjack in Retribution? But that's for another day. That's just another day. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Pal. so Number nine, the beautiful people, Marilyn Manson, SmackDown. Got all the mileage out of that. I mean, initially it was Raw's Wars theme, like before they was like, all right, we ain't paying for all that. Hold on now, pal. We ain't got that money yet. So they, they went for the they, they were able to license these songs not only for TV, but for an actual album. That is unprecedented today in the world of sync and licensing. There's just such a heavy premium for that type of shit. I'm pretty sure you could probably get Marilyn Manson and Pennies on the Dime today, but like, other shit up there? Like, hell no. Right. Uh, track 10, Across the Nation, Ross theme song. Track 11, Break the Walls Down, performed by Seven Dust for Chris Jericho. Wow. Imagine the slap in his face where he's like, I can't, uh, can't even be on that. I don't even remember that one. I don't. I get He he rarely used it, because why the fuck would he? <laughs> this, this is an alternative radio time capsule as we listen to the track listing, though. Absolutely. Number 12, Turn the Tables, performed by Saliva for the Dudley Boys. Yeah, they are. Um, Live for the Moment, performed by Monster Magnet from Matt Hardy. I guess that's a, that's a version one song, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all about slamming tornadoes. That's what that is. <laughs> that might be it. I mean, it might. I don't know. Um, End of Everything, performed by Stereo Mud for Raven. Oh, I don't remember that. Look at Rich. Still he, he never came out to the theme song at this point. <laughs> Unless you're watching Sunday Night Heat. Raven was still in the raw intro, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> just that's cool. Just a cool guy. Um, Ride of Your Life performed by Neurotica for the King of Ring 2002 theme song. Don't remember that. Um, just Another Victim performed by Cypress Hill for Taz. Um, can't can't tell you. 
Um, Rob, no- pick a hand, pick a hand, <laughs> pick a hand, slap the shit out of that nigga, boy. <laughs> Never no, thought Chance was a gangster after that day. <laughs> slap no chance, head. no chance performed by Dope um, for Vince McMahon. Um, Love Fury Passion Energy performed by Boy Hits Car for Lita. I'm not it's even alternative rock band name. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's like the dun 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 because I love that song. Um, and then number I love that shit. And then number nineteen, Slow Chemical, Finger Eleven, Kane, classic. Um, but that's forcible entry. Is that the Kane theme with lyrics? Yeah. When he said felt in her, I said, Katie, felt in her. We'll never forget meals. Why are we not doing, oh, I just fucked your brains out. And then it's going to be in a in a catch up version, I'm sure. I have never forgotten seeing that live. I saw the Katie Vick segment. Live on TV. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember. I was, I said, I was definitely saw it. What? A, what? I'm never watching this again. So I got introduced to being a ne- what? A, what a necrophiliac was. I was like, what is that? Exactly. One? Same thing. <laughs> Literally same thing. <laughs> um, Vince McMahon walks out to the NWO theme song to kick off Monday Night Raw. That was a choice. <laughs> he says, "That's the very last time you're gonna hear that." <laughs> theme song um, on Monday Night Raw because he has erased it. The NWO is over as we know it. The um, big eraser is out. The NWO era is history, and he says we had the Buddy Rogers, his, the Buddy Rogers era. We're like, the he started Bruno, from the top. <laughs> he went to the top. <laughs> the Bruno San Martino era, the Pedro Morales era. We're like the okay. superstar Billy Graham era. The Hulk Hogan era. There we go. And now everybody under 30 pops in the Meadowlands. Again, like spats notice, on like 40 and 50 year olds saying, Oh, I know him. Notice he skipped Bruno, by the way. No, no, he said Bruno. He put Bruno in there. He put Bruno and then he put Pedro Morales in there too. I was like, wow. The ultimate warrior era. The Bret Hart era. And, and this surprised me. He skipped right over Shawn Michaels. I was like, wow. Well, I feel like this is so to me, this is like all these guys left. And no matter what, we still kept running. Like, True. that's what I feel like True. it was to me. Like, yeah. all these guys left me in one way, left yep. me hanging in one way or something or another, and the WWF just still kept rolling. That's yeah. true. And he said, it's time for a change, and that change begins now. Announces that Raw will have a general manager. And this is the invention of the role of general manager that would we would see for pretty much the next, like, 15 years or so yeah. on the show. Um, you have a computer as one at one point. <laughs> <laughs> the general manager for us is. Um, you have the group of wrestlers waiting around the TV. I always love that. Kind I of love stuff. that shot. You gotta love that shot, right? Everybody's just chilling in the back, eating like this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always a small fucking monitor. It's like, goddamn, Vince, give him a big ass TV or something, man. Come on, man. We trying to watch <laughs> wrong. Come on. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they got everybody there. You know what I liked? It was a nice little taste because usually they have like, usually when they do stuff like that, select people are missing. Right. Um, Undertaker's there, which I'm yeah. happy about. He seems like a very company guy. Like, And this is, and, and I'll talk about the Undertaker a little bit more, but I think he's doing 2002 has to be one of his best years. Just mm-hmm. period. 
um, get some visibility working, everything of the rather. Um, he gets a Ric Flair, who's just, you know, it pans, the last person they see is Ric Flair, who's the last owner of Raw and shit like that, and his t-shirt. Um, <laughs> Vengeance t-shirt, Big V, Big V loan. Well, you gotta remember, this is when, this is when his confidence was dwindling, okay? So when his confidence was shot, and Triple H had to bring him back, I guess, a few months later. Let's talk about the opening of this Raw. First match of this Raw, which I think is a great match to open Raw. Not really, they don't really do stuff like this. It's the European champion, Jeff Hardy. Bubba Ray Dudley, Spike Dudley versus William Regal, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit in a six-man elimination tag team match. Jeff Hardy is in the midst of his post-Undertaker ladder match, like push. His, ass, gets, his ass was made famous, by the right? Way. Yes, of course. Famous. Yeah, he gets rewarded the European Championship, which is like, I guess. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Got the mid-mid card title. I don't, right. bro- I don't know what his brother's gonna get in a couple years' time, so. They show William Regal crying after losing the championship. And I'm and all I could think was like, yo, William Regal did everything they asked him to do. Like and he everything. Still would today. Do you not think that he's not trying to claw his way out of AEW right now? Like yeah. this nigga cannot wait to get the fuck out of there. I just spoke to Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you, hey, Regal. My contract. <laughs> Regal. I, I, I said the same thing in the chat. You know what they hit? My man Alistair at the same thing. Cut my life into pieces. I want to pay with it. This is my last resort. Oh, Next my week. God. <laughs> Eddie Girl eliminates Spike Dudley. <laughs> Eddie Girl eliminates Spike Dudley early with a small package. Spike got hold. He wasn't in the actual five minutes. He had to be like concussed or something. You just got out of there. Um, Eddie, all right, so what did I have here in my notes? Okay, I was like, okay, how do you? How did you guys feel about the Bubba Ray solo push during this time? Bad. Yeah, I just feel like Vince was just trying to do it. Like, I want to go break the tag teams up. You guys had a great two, three-year run. We're going to break all you guys up. It was just like, I feel, like owed, I feel like maybe he was like, I owe these guys something because I broke up a perfectly good tag team. And I mean, them he broke Matt and Jeff, he broke up Devon and Bubba. Didn't Edge and Christian split the same time too? I think they, they split a little bit earlier. Yeah, a little yeah. earlier? Mm-hmm. 2001, yeah. No, that's right. Um, yeah. yep. um, Eddie, this Eddie Guerrero, and this was a good pivot for them. I mean, um, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit feuding with the Dudleys because Austin left. So <laughs> this is what they're doing now. Um, Bubba is eliminated after being DQ'd for using the European Championship to hit someone. Um, I'm just like, why? Like, like why? <laughs> the things that Errol Hebner will allow and the things he won't allow. Right, right. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Hardy eliminates Eddie Guerrero with innovative offense is what I... <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Hashtag innovative offense. Hashtag kick. <laughs> Mule kick. Um, <laughs> leaving him against Chris Benoit. Regal comes back with brass knucks, strikes Jeff Hardy. Benoit puts him in the crossface, and Jeff passes out with the crossface on. You, you noted it. This does not age well. That's a tough watch. On, yeah. either, on either person. <laughs> you feel me? That's a tough one. That's a tough yeah, watch. It's a toughie, man. I asked earlier, what was Jeff on in this match? Woo. Pink shit. <laughs> whatever it was, it was pink. Doing whatever. It was, but again, 
un uncharacteristically hot opening match for Raw. Uh, might yeah. be the longest match on the show this week. Oh, yeah, I think it is. It had to be. Um, there would so be Cody there would not be another match for <laughs> at least an hour on this episode. <laughs> You're getting variety, folks. Coach is backstage doing his journalistic job. You like real journalism. It was like we're backstage. We've heard people like you know Mick Foley maybe there, even Vince McMahon's brother, Vince McMahon's brother Rod McMahon, who oh, that was amazing. That. that was an amazing call. I'm like what? who? I was like I had, I just looked up Rod McMahon. Unfortunately, passed away early, top last year. Oh man, um, at seventy seven. Wow, never seen. He's seen at like a couple of Hall of Fames, but really never been. As much as the Vince McMahon family is located on television, there's no like cool uncle. <laughs> uncle Rod, leave yeah. me out of it. <laughs> I mean, I think we've seen Declan more than we've seen that nigga. Like, did you always believe the rumor that there was? Because there was always in mind there was another McMahon child that just was never seen on television. I don't know. Maybe that was probably, bro. Hey, probably. <laughs> Is there a darker, darker, deeper criminal link? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> definitely. Listen, I'm not putting anything past this motherfucker at this point. <laughs> Shane McMahon shows up on Raw to fake out the crowd. They're like, Vince, you're, 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 you know, the new general manager is here. And it's like, that girl probably got fired. But, or not. Um, but. Too soon. Um... <laughs> Shane McMahon walks in, crowd pops, and Shane McMahon is like, I'm here for you to stop making the biggest mistake of your life. And Vince is like, nigga, didn't you try to put me out of business like a year ago for the same for the same company this guy worked for? Um, he's like, it was I know foreshadowing. It, 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 yeah. was, it was the subtle foreshadowing that, that, that I wish they had not got too horny and just gave it away for later. Yes. That was really good foreshadowing. Because like, who could it be? You would never think it was the person who it was. In the yes. You were thinking... Could it be uh, Dusty Rhodes is coming back? Could it be anyone coming back? And it made you think, and then they just kind of blow it later. <laughs> but it wasn't in it, it. Literally, it wasn't from what I read in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. It wasn't even hinted there. Like this was a actual may have been a legit shock. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you get a backstage segment with Tommy Dreamer, Rob Van Dam, and Stevie Richards to set this up a single. This was a long, long backstage segment. It had no more than four people involved in this in this dialogue, and they all remembered their lines. And even Rob Van Dam gave a pretty good performance too. They set up a Singapore Kane match. He was like, essentially, Tommy Dreamer. I was like, okay, Heyman is writing this until you got to the point where it says, "You whip out your stick, I'll whip out mine," and then Goldust shows up and says, "Ooh, yeah, that's that's good words." <laughs> I was like, all right, never mind. That's good words. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna limit say that's good words, right? Uh next matchups, Tommy Dreamer versus Stevie Richards in the Singapore Kane match. Um, not sure if a Tommy Dreamer push was on the menu, but he certainly got a lot of time in this early draft period of Raw. There was no um, one else, Mills. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is just telling Vince, sir, the, he has this fighting spirit, sir. You have to use him. <laughs> Like, okay. I think like this, sir. If you continue to use him, then you will be in your favor, sir. You remember his early, his early, early raw draft gimmick was he ate anything. He was on <laughs> jackass time. I remember he drank the blue shit out of the barber, the barber cup. 
the barbicide undertaker's tobacco and got his ass beat immediately after and i'm trying to tell you that is vince's idea of what extreme is like he's extreme right Put him in extreme situations. You gotta puke. <laughs> puke. Yeah. He's gonna puke. And my favorite part about the puke. That's a, this is a sidebar. My favorite part about the puke is him trying to find the note like he's a singer. You gotta puke. You gotta puke. He's gotta puke. Like him like trying to find the real key for that. That's called a thespian right there. There you go. <laughs> that's a real thespian, man. Um... So we got classic Booker T segment. By classic, I mean the one, the thing that ruins it all. Um, Coach tries to interview Booker T, and you know about his match with Big, Sto- Big Show. Says Booker T. Booker T is entertaining at this point. He's trying to be like, I guess this is Raw's version to the Rock. Talk about the actual Stevie Richards Tommy Dreamer match. No, no, no. We're not gonna. Why this nigga bled? This nigga bled for no reason. Yeah, no, nah, he bled. For, he bled profusely. For no reason. Anyway, (laughs) one thing about Booker is that imagine you were a person walking up on Booker T and he's just doing this. Five to the face. Yeah. Yeah. What was he seeing in the in his hands? That's a good question. Championships, maybe. Yeah, it was his push. They said they out to be a like maybe on the spectrum a little bit, a little like off. But here's the thing. I feel like he made it work. Literally, he made it work oh, no did. matter what. Like, nah, he, he they turned put him in NWO and then kicked him out of NWO. And he became slightly more popular because of that. Yeah. They put him in a tag team with Goldust for months. And it could have been just whatever thrown together tag team bullshit that it was. And it worked by the time they hit the Un-Americans later in the year. They're one of the most over things just in general. I think Booker T found his... Um, I guess entertaining side. He he knew how to roll with the punches in WWE, whereas a lot of WCW guys couldn't. Yeah, that um, book dust was like Family Dollar Rock and Sock for a while. Yeah, <laughs> Family Dollar. Hey, get, get hey, Boo Plus, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but they had Booker out to be like some like 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 literal like a genius, but he had his own hang up socially. Like socially, he could not. <laughs> <laughs> get it you know what i'm saying yeah. so and i i didn't want it like i mentioned I, I said like on the spectrum i, I mean it's, i didn't mean that to be like disrespectful but i meant like in a way where it was like yo he's he's a different cat like he he moves differently like because socially nobody liked him but right. he was just winning all the time like he hammered that home in the nwo angle yeah Dude. like he he like literally before he was racially discharged from the nwo you know he, he was actually he was winning a lot he asks coach for a coach Arun and says, like, hey, is The Rock the only guy who can mess with announcers around here? That was interesting. <laughs> that yes. was interesting. <laughs> yes. Absolutely yes. it. <laughs> he has the patent on that. Absolutely. Since 1999, telling people to stick fingers up their noses and put T-shirts on their heads. Um, I-, I hated that Lawler beat uh, Booker to the You Ain't Even Black uh, jab. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Is Coach Caucasian? And to Jerry Lawler saying, you know, he says, is Coach Caucasian? To which Booger T then says, you sure you black dog? He's like, yeah, I told, I told you. I'm like, shut up. He was masturbating furiously at that one. He was, he right. couldn't get that one off. He was like, yes. Man, the, Booger T says, we in the East Rutherford Arena. I'm about to pull an Allen Iverson. 
I said, wrong arena, my guy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I was trying to find the correlate. Like, I don't know. Okay. Conference finals? I don't know. Um, He's fired up, and then the eyes dart. It's the, it's the eyes to me. That's the most memorable, like eyes. It's, yeah. it's like it comes out of nowhere. It's that's like, meme. Hey. I was gonna, I was gonna type that. I was texting. I was like, that's the one of the best Booker T memes too. Like it's one of the yeah. best. Memes. He said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like he's Amber checking it out. Yeah. Um, and it should have ended right there. But it did. Eric, Eric Bischoff shows up on screen, shakes Booker T's hand, says, "You know, it's good to see you again, Book." And so here's my my logic for this was I'm sure they were like, oh, everyone's going to call their friends to turn to Monday Night Raw because Eric Bischoff is on Monday Night Raw. That's why they did it, because it reminds me of that time they did. Remember, The Rock was supposed to return to an invasion angle and they show him by the Rocky trophy at yeah. like nine fucking at like 10, 50, 45 or something before he comes out at 1050. And it's like, oh, you're supposed to call your friends. It's like, I'm not calling my friends. It's 10 fucking o'clock. Like. <laughs> Or Austin at the bar before he comes back and saves the day. Right. There you go. Oh, he's coming. He's showing up. Here's my here's how I would have did this, right? You keep the camera hard locked on Booker T's face. And then you have the guy walk past. And then you zoom the camera back out. And that's when you see he gets the tell me I just see that. Absolutely. Go to commercial. And then you come back with Vince. There's a reason why WWE does not show that segment before they show the Eric Bischoff. It's always just when Eric Bischoff, you would have thought he did that at eight o'clock. I forgot he did that in the second hour. Right. So, like they, I think even they know, like, okay, that's a little uncouth to like show have shown him before he even comes out. You get that moment, you get Booker being the first WCW guy that sees him come back and, and not believe it. Then you're just like, wait, is this somebody from WCW? Is it J.J. Dillon? Is it Tony Schiavone? Is it somebody there? You're never thinking that because then you're saying you're like, okay, it's a, it's a WCW guy because Booker knows him. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That up was just perfect there. And the thing is, they would do this better with Jericho and uh, a couple years after this, or, or actually mm-hmm. almost, 10, almost ten years after this, they would do this with with, with Jericho way better. Yeah, Vince and Kevin Dunn were just too horny. I mean, I think you said it, Mills. Like they were, they were just like really trying to get a hot ass quarter hour at the top of the hour, and they wanted us to all phone our friends. Like, oh my god, I just saw Eric Bischoff on Raw. So, commercial break happens. We come back after the commercial break. Vince McMahon comes back out again. And he's like, it takes a real son of a bitch to, <laughs> to you know, try to put me out of business or something along those lines. Yeah, he he wanted to say nigga right there. He's like, it takes a real nigga to make it in this business. <laughs> And then he says, please welcome the brand new general manager of Monday Night Raw. Eric Bischoff! I'm back! No, that's not what it played. (laughs) We got the good old dub on the network. Eric Bischoff. At a moment. Um, First of all, I'd seen... Oh, why did I take it off? I'd seen Eric Bischoff before, and I was like, wow, he looks like you've been eating good, huh? You've been living off them been living off them checks a little bit. He's definitely been eating good. First of all, that very aggressive hug. Oh, yeah. Vince McMahon hug. Television hug. Ah, damn it. Um, at I this point... I go out there and show him why you're fucking best in the world. At this point, <laughs> you can see it. I'm going to use... Let's see if I can pull out a pencil or something. I'm gonna, right here. 
This is where Vince McMahon nearly pulls his arm out of his fucking socket. <laughs> Hold your damn hand up! <laughs> I kicked his ass, everybody. Look. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! He pulls his damn near pulls his arm out of his socket and then just disappears into the night. He's like, "Well, my job is done." Smackdown, <laughs> I go. <laughs> Glad I got this over with. Um. Eric Bischoff first appearance on Monday Night Raw is the big it, it's the first big moment of the the brand split era in terms of just things that are happening on both shows. Um they wanted it to be the Stone Cold signing to Raw and stuff like that that wasn't really as big. No one really gave a shit. Eric Bischoff showing up is legitimately like you didn't see it coming. Yeah, you had to be it there. Was, yeah, yeah. You, there was no nothing that leaked out. There was nothing that, you know, thing this moment is, and it's so crazy considering everything that happened just years before. Um, and I didn't know, I mean, this is my time. I didn't know much of WCW then. I knew that there was hatred and I knew the put, you know, things in seats, but I didn't know like how mag, you know, how big this moment was for it's Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon. And um, just it's, everything it's, that they've done. It's I declare but, war, Jay Z Nas. Oh, it is. It's so that moment. <laughs> but here's the I thing. want to see it in the same arena, too, but that's funny. I feel like this is, and so many times this happened during this year, this is like the billboard for what's best for business, ultimately, at the end of the day. Yeah. There's no pettiness. There's no nothing. This is why you can see Scott Steiner still in the WWE Hall of Fame, despite every word, every four-letter word and six-letter right. words he used about Triple H. <laughs> He's fat. <laughs> this is why Goldberg is back. This is why everybody, Ultimate Warrior, got another run. Everything. This is why it's all happened because Vince McMahon ultimately puts business at the at the head of thing, and it's probably why he's still so mad at Stone Cold at this point. Um, Eric Bischoff, the hair dye is dying. Ooh. I mean, Eric Beijing Bischoff. <laughs> it is. Not, I was like, damn, that's that's some black hair. You don't get no more blacker than that. Um, this very long, non, there's no like inflections in his voice. There's no peaks, no valleys. This promo doesn't take you anywhere. It's just kind of explaining how he got from there to here and whatever you heard, fuck y'all, fuck whatever you heard. I'm telling you what it is. Very Steve Jobs. And then (laughs) iPhone (laughs) three told you that the Android was gonna win the end, like, like it, it was very like, and then, whoa, 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 remember this one? Remember this one that I did? Oh, well, remember how I did this? And it, it, like the crowd was popping, right? They were like, some of the shit they didn't remember. You could tell people they thought remember. I only people thought I only did this because of Ted Turner's bank account. When you really gotta be a ruthless, aggressive, but also innovative leader to be able to do stuff. I, when Raw was going on at nine o'clock, I at eight fifty eight. You know, put out the spoilers for Ross, so you didn't have to watch that show. I, 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 and, then he, and then it was, yeah, but what happened after that? <laughs> I beat Raw for 84 weeks in a row. I did, a, it's like essentially introducing himself, but in the least, I guess, exciting way. Yeah. Wow. Right. But, you know, I think at, even at this point, based on how Booker T reacts, based on how King and JR react throughout the show, that this is obviously like, wow. Like, 
fuck does Eric Bischoff is the running is in the WWE, and that's kind of it. They do a WWF confidential on it in terms of how things happen. Physic Man says he didn't never met Eric Bischoff until five minutes before they went on on that stage. Um, he signed the contract about ten days before he actually did it. Uh, let's see what else. He was like, I haven't heard anyone say anything crazy. Um, I, said, all my ops are there. He said, come get me, Flair. That was the only <laughs> thing that was bad. He said, come get me. <laughs> well, Flair eventually does. I actually do have that in my notes. I think Flair is the only one who, like, essentially, because he socks him later. In, he socks him in the face, like, later on in the year in catering um, for no reason other than, I guess, just, like, old times. I feel like he's having, like, PTD, PTSD moment because it, it – Seemed like it didn't make sense and not even the right place to do it. Um, hey man, they, they they sued each other, or he sued, yeah, they sued each other back in the day, so yeah, yeah, I it's mean, legitimate. yeah, absolutely. And then they make up like a couple months later or something along those lines. Um, Eric Bischoff backstage, and he's like, The Undertaker, oh man, I always wanted to sign you, but I guess loyalty means more to you than money, huh? <laughs> he was on his, I was like, Bro, the dicky and crazy, I'm man. Like, damn. <laughs> Bradshaw, like yo, 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 my man. <laughs> Bradshaw, like yo, I'm right here. Hardcore champion. You see the the skull, the hard, you know, the horns on my championship belt. I forgot about that belt, by the way. Like I was like, he had his own hardcore championship belt. Hey man, you ain't never seen a replica of that belt in <laughs> shop zone. Great memory access. Only Nothing. he owns it. Only he owns it. <laughs> Here's all. the hardcore title that I had in my home. Um, the legit one. Um, all right, we're back to action in the ring. First match in quite some time. <laughs> Trish I thought it was, uh, it was prime time wrestling. What the hell is this? <laughs> Jesus. Trish Stratus comes out because she's got a women's championship match against Molly Holly, which could have perfectly been on the Vengeance pay per view that occurs like six days after this. Women uh, wrestling. <laughs> Molly Holly's in her Karen era. Um, but the ladies are working. I mean, they're they're working. They're trying to make whatever happened happen. You know, they still got them in the popcorn slot, but they're working. Yeah, absolutely. Stratus faction into a backdrop, and then Molly Holly pins her with the feet on the ropes, which I always love. Jr. Like, hey, Ralph, feet on the ropes. Come on, man. <laughs> um, crazy. Next segment: Ric Flair and Eric Bischoff come face to face. Boy, he Ooh. wanted to buy his ass up, boy. They gave him that script right before they went on. He was like, you lucky I just got here. I'm also new, nigga. Um, or that wailed off on your ass. Um, next match, Booker T versus Big Show. To me, yeah. they would they would have a much better match at Vengeance. Yeah, this was a dud. This was this was nothing. I actually do like their match at Vengeance. It gets crazily hardcore for whatever reason. Like, and it's the only time I think in WWE Booker T does the Houston hangover. Mm. Um, oh, he does it for a Triple H. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He does. He does. Um, Big Show looks big and dumpy as hell. Is what I know. He looks crazy. Big uh, that weight was crazy. Like they, I feel like they needed to have him go back to OVW because he just could not keep his weight down. Bro, a couple months later, he wins the championship. You got to put him in pants. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, he he, <laughs> he was looking crazy. Uh. Let's see. Booker T gets himself DQ'd after shoving Nick Patrick out the ring. Sell job of the year. Nigga flew out the ring. Um, and assaults him with a steel chair. 
Big Show choke slams Booker T through the table. Um, next segment, Brock Lesnar's curling part of the stage. I put fire visual. Yeah. Um, his 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 visuals was just od. I feel like some of the reason why Austin was, was wanted to go was because he just Lesnar just looked cooler than this nigga did. Like he just was a was he a saw cool it. dude. Yeah, he was just like yo, he he's <laughs> the next level. Like I I was never this. You know what I mean? And I'm getting um, jobbed out on TV too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a pay per view TV. Um, that's the set of the main event. Um, we got the hardcore title: Christopher Nowinski versus Bradshaw. Oh boy! Hashtag liberties. Yeah, yeah. Bradshaw's taking liberties. <laughs> he, he don't want to take. He don't want to take any of this shit tonight. He don't want to. He don't like this kid. He's too skinny, scrawny. He's too pretty. This ain't wrestling to him. This ain't wrestling. This right. is when Nowinski changed professional wrestling. That's kind of. But I can't watch his matches now, considering I know everything that happened to him um, with his brain and stuff. Um, so every time he takes a shot to the head with like a trash can or steel chair or a lariat or something, I'm like, damn, this man. He's like, yo, y'all smell bacon? Y'all smell, y'all smell bacon? All right. Um, eventually, Johnny the Bull Stamboli shows up <laughs> and wins the hardcore championship, which just to me is like crazy. I'm like, yo, what a random, what a random thing to happen on Raw. Um, they let him cut a promo right after. I'm like, how many promos is this nigga in? <laughs> First of all, before, before, before we get to that promo, Big Show shows up in Bischoff's room and he's like kissing up to him. And Bischoff, he's like, Bischoff, I need a match from you. He's like, nigga, this is my first day on the jet. Like, you this want me to went, This went too long. This went yeah. way too long. Yeah. And Bischoff comes out giant. I'm, I'm, I'm visioning like uh, Vince going, oh my God. So like one fucking giant in this promotion, pal. <laughs> he gets the match with Booker for Sunday, um, and then goes back to watching the Triple H DVD. <laughs> right, he fires up the t- Triple H the game DVD. He fucks, what is that? Play, he fucks up the play button because he presses the play button too much, so it plays and pauses, and then he presses it again. Go back and watch it. He fucks the remote up. <laughs> play, and I guess the DVD was loading. So he pressed it again and paused it on accident. He pressed it again. And I was like, bro, for one, you're looking at it at a wild angle like this. <laughs> and you're, like, you're like super tapped into this DVD. Like, it's like, like, are you are you feeling something for this? Like, what's going on? Oh my God. Um yeah, scouting report. Then Johnny Samboli obviously interrupts him from this triple H DVD once more time. Um gets clotheslined in the middle of the I was like, yo. That could have clipped that. I'm surprised that didn't clip Bischoff completely. And the TV, like I was, like, I feel like everything should have fell when he went through that bitch. Right. <laughs> he loses the belt in front of Eric Bradshaw. Is like hardcore champion Bradshaw. <laughs> and then Bischoff was like, I, I guess nigga, I, I would have done. Didn't that nigga get knocked out by? Oh, right. <laughs> Remember me? Got jumped on TNT. <laughs> right. Bischoff's like two months away from like. Folding every championship into one another. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got the main event of the evening: Undertaker and Brock Lesnar versus Ric Flair and Rob Van Dam. We don't see many tag matches featuring Brock Lesnar, much less tagging with fucking Undertaker. No. Um, considering their history, all their career, this is kind of insane. Especially even how this match went down. Um, I have so my note for Undertaker is that he's really working in two thousand two. Oh, I mean, mm-hmm. he does the WrestleMania match at Flair. 
Uh, he's doing the angle. He does an angle with Austin a little bit. He wins the Undisputed Championship. Not only is he on Raw, but he's on SmackDown having two separate angles. So on one day, he's having a ladder match with Jeff Hardy. And then on the next day, he's having that angle with Kurt Angle to, you know, for that vengeance match. And he's like, he's working double duty and he's working, man. Like this is, this is big evil um, to the fullest. And like, he's, he's getting it in. Um, Last year being hurt. And then he got hurt next year. Right. Right. (laughs) And and you know, what's crazy. Like I like what they did with this initially with the title, how you to be appear on both shows. It was kind of like a territory thing. Like how you work in different territories, but they had to get two champions at some point. Yeah. And, and, and again, like there, there was more where it was like, they're trying to set up this Brock thing and we're going to get that in its totality, but they're going to make you wait for it. So absolutely. Yeah. Match ends. Brock gives Flair the F5. RVD hits the frog splash. I deserve that F5, bro. That's not even taking it at this point. He used to taking it at this point. Um, RVD hits the frog splash on Lesnar and the Undertaker hits the last ride on RVD. And it's, you know, it's what he said. And then, at the end of the show, well, not the end of the show, at the end of this match, Lesnar lays out The Undertaker. For what reason? I'm not sure. But he just lays him out. Um, are you talking about Vengeance on the next episode, or are you gonna, is that going to be part of the catch-up? For, say that? Oh, oh like the Vengeance pay-per-view coming up yeah. after this? Because this, this is the catch-up. It's Vengeance. on the catch-up. It's on the catch-up, because the okay. next match, yeah, yeah it's definitely going to be on the catch-up. Okay, because um, I'll, I'll leave that to the next, the next co-host. Okay. This is what Austin was afraid of, is what I had in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> but, but okay, all right, in hindsight, was it really a bad thing? He's still nah. Austin. He's still, you're still Austin. He's still Ric Flair. You know what I'm saying? He, he's still Undertaker. You, you're not, you're, just come off the peg a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, come off the pedestal, I mean, a, a little bit, bro. Like, it's a new guy, bro. Like your spot is still your spot. Brock, they the WWE needed a talent like Brock. That's why when he left, it was such a colossal loss that I don't think Cena and and it could have made up for himself. And that's why they had to get Batista with it too. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Like Brock was a colossal loss to that company. He fulfilled so many roles, heel and face. In a short amount of time. In such a short amount of time. Literally a year. He would be yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's why to me, like the Brock Kurt Mania main event was so special because it's like these like the two hottest rookies ever in the, in the you know in the Fed. And it's like yeah. it's perfect. We never saw that again. I don't yeah. think we'll see it again. Raw ends with Eric Bischoff leaving a message for The Rock that he'll be on SmackDown to sign him. And why was JR mad? He's trying to make Raw better. Like, what the fuck, <laughs> JR? I know you don't like the guy. I know you get to work with him back in the day. Like, goddamn. You're trying to what the hell is Eric Bischoff doing? thing he used to do. <laughs> Oh my god. All right, before I before we go, quick uh one more roundup of wrestling observer newsletter. Um this is Melter with some sense, everybody. This, I don't know. <laughs> Melter before he lost it, okay? okay? All right. He says stuff that I said. He says Bischoff and McMahon struck a secret deal 10 days prior to his debut. Um when Bischoff walked through the backstage segment, everyone in the company was just as shocked as the viewers back home. Um, let's see. This angle was going to take place regardless, but it's thought that the injury to Kevin Nash may have moved things up a couple weeks because Vince once again panicked when his plans went down in flames. Um, but which is weird because, like, if he does panic and he did panic when plans changed in the past couple years, you wouldn't know it. Like, you get some of the best creative when these niggas have an injury or somebody goes down because that's when you get what you want. 
Right. <laughs> like, right. When, when Finn went down, that's when we basically got what we wanted, minus Finn being hurt. Like, like, like oh. a lot. Yeah, y'all remember, y'all remember the 05 Rumble finish? Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Speaking Nigga of went out there and wrecked himself. <laughs> this is speaking of Xbox, a weird situation with him led to him being suspended by the WWE. He says, the day when overall when Nash tore his quad, X-Pac missed his flight to a show. Why? Well, he was hospitalized earlier that day in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Again, you ask why. No idea. Sounds like X-Pac would also like to know also. He called WWE saying he was in the emergency room and had no idea how he got there. He left ER and made new travel arrangements. And when he got to Raw 90 minutes before the show started, he went out there that night and worked his match. Um, however, after the match, he still couldn't explain to WWE officials how or why he was in the hospital that day, so they were naturally suspicious. As a result, Xbox has been suspended and removed from all bookings until they get a medical report on what he did. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, you didn't have a doctor's <laughs> note, man. Yeah, you got to give it up to them. No, like they knew, they knew how them niggas got down. Like they was like they was not going for the for the BS no more with those three. They provide some details on Vince Russo's own first and only creative meeting when he was briefly rehired by the WWE last month. That was hilarious reading that in Good Words book. I didn't know about that. That is so yeah, yeah. Russo was hired, and then he ends up going to, I mean, essentially, he becomes a consultant for TNA. Yeah, yeah um, right, right. Russo's apparently proposed Raw versus SmackDown feud that would eventually lead to one of them reviving WCW, reigniting the WCW versus WWE war. This time they would have Eric Bischoff leading the WCW side while Russo's success suggested Mick Foley the WWE side. It was pretty much made clear to Russo during that meeting that if they were to do Raw versus SmackDown angle, it would be Stephanie in charge of the WWE side, not Foley. And sure enough, that is expected to be what happened, except without the WCW part. <laughs> um, yeah, Russo's idea was pretty much a combination of 2001 Invasion angle and the 2000 WCW Bischoff Russo angle. Um, <laughs> Dave notes that Russo wanted to essentially start from scratch, strip every one of the belts the same way they did in 2000, and bring in Bret Hart and Goldberg to be involved as well. I don't know, but we'll see. Mm-mm. WCW 2000 all over again. It would yeah, been- like who want to restart that? Yeah, it would have been a bunch of foolishness and swerves and people and, and Brett airing his grievances and shit like that that they were not trying to do at that point especially not where they were, where they were also public. And you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't really want to, they remember they stopped doing that type of shit altogether once they were right. public. Yeah. So, if they're going to do work shoots, they're going to do them on DVDs or Saturday nights at 10 o'clock on confidential. That's yeah. It. Or it's going to be something Vince wrote punk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bischoff's debut on raw was a pretty big hit. How big you ask during Bischoff's in-ring promo after his debut. Raw added 1.1 million new viewers from the last segment. That's probably why it was so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Goldberg is said to be leaning against going to WWE anytime soon. Instead, eyeing his options in Japan. Nigga shows up next year. Um, <laughs> Japan yeah, nigga, said, nigga thought he was Hogan. Japan said, New Japan said, so you only do two-minute matches? <laughs> we do 50-minute we do matches here. You, nah, it's not going to work. Yeah, all, all those all those head shakes and shit they ain't gonna work here when you're trying to sell. We ain't gonna be shaking for a different reason, nigga. You're fucking bugging. Um, uh, 
Let's see. Oh, so this is the SmackDown afterwards. Stephanie McMahon becomes the GM. Um, they did an in-ring promo segment with Buster Rhymes to promote <laughs> the new Halloween Resurrection movie. That's right. Yo, when is Stephanie McMahon's voice deepened? Like, it just got, like, deep overnight, fam. I think, like, 2000, after she had, like, two kids. Yeah, they had it's still airy here, but, like... It had that yeah, yeah. voice when you start yelling at your kids, man. Apparently, reacting to the, to the movie, <laughs> Dave said, coming out in July for the Halloween Resurrection movie. It was a hot, um, hot month for, for movies like that, yeah. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Trying to find some more. Um... Randy Orton suffered a concussion in a house show with his match against Batista. Interesting. Andrew, he would not stop doing that. That's why at the moment of his hottest, where he's at his hottest, him getting injured is the most heartbreaking and gutting thing because he had not been injured in so long. All the next stuff is after vengeance. So that's it for this episode of the Draft Diaries. Thank you, J5. Thank you, Plus, for coming through. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The next episode of the Draft Diaries, let me look at what we got coming up here. <laughs> it's going to be the summer of Brock Lesnar. That's fun. And, That's fun. To, and, and as we talked about last week's episode, J5, this will be covering the August 4th episode of SmackDown where Brock Lesnar faced Hulk Hogan in the main event. Frightening match. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Frightening match. Listen, I got no love for Balea. <laughs> yeah, real quick, what was that promo that he like flubbed so bad? Was it against Vince on the screen? Where he was like, he had to start over damn near well, on SmackDown. It. Hogan, like he flubbed his line so bad on a promo, man. I think he had to start over mid-promo. If it's not against Hogan, it's against The Rock. Because <sighs> one of them would throw that nigga off completely. Uh, it's a fright. Listen, I got no love for Balea, but I mean, pre in word, that match against Brock with the blood coming out of his goddamn mouth. I was like, this is frightening, bro. Like, Brock's, Brock's a different breed. <laughs> the rumor was that he was expected to face Vince at SummerSlam of that year. And then he pretty much was like, nah, I'm out for <laughs> the rest of the year. And so they don't do it until WrestleMania the following year. Oh. Um, but yeah, that's this episode of Draft Diaries. Thank you guys for tuning in. Of course, you can continue to listen on the A Show on RNT Radio feed, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, all this other stuff like that. You can follow the A Show at the A Show RNC on Twitter. You can follow myself at Meals TV. You can follow Justin at OG Johnny Five. And you can follow A Plus at A underscore plus. Yes. Yep. There we go. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. <laughs>